So that that happens, that crashing thing has been happening lately because for some reason there's something wrong with the battery here on this laptop. Yeah. So it gets to like 49% and the computer just turns off. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't really have that problem because, uh, like I said, I bought this laptop and I just left it in my bag for over a year. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a beauty of not relying so much and using a computer, you know, on a consistent basis for every little thing you do um i get enough of it at work and even that's kind of foreign i come home it's you know my my iphone is the most technological thing i really use and then there's all my my pedals and my amps like we were talking about before with digital pedals and things like that man that if i gotta plug into a mothership that just makes my brain go fried you're on the right podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm an analog man you know in a digital world i'm 33 and live like it's 1933. Mm, that's okay with me. I would, yeah, no, I, Lamb and I talked about it on a couple episodes. I was watching that uh, CNN show, The 80s. Mm. It's just like a documentary of the 80s. Right. Um, and I'm watching it and I'm like, I want to go back. Yeah. No. <laughs> I want to go back to then. <laughs> it's, it, you know, people just look at these. Their, you know the crutches to the fullest extent and it's you know I'm, i mean i'm not saying i'm not guilty of sitting there and getting lost in uh searching through you know websites and uh, the minimal porn yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's like i've got an ipad that's all i use it for <laughs> but uh no it's it feels good you know when i'm sitting there and i have no desire to pull my phone out and everyone around me is heads down on their phone mm-hmm. you know and it's it took me months and months of training to get like that to break yeah. that habit that addiction is maybe a better way to say it. no it is definitely the addiction um yeah because just being able to kind of come back from being so far gone into it and then re you know discover what it is like to just be in the moment and to like you know be around people and then when you start it's a little bit more meaningful, I think, when you then connect with someone where they're on the same level because you guys just get to enjoy every little thing a little bit more and other people are missing out on it and it's faster and easier way to weed out the people that really shouldn't uh, be occupying your time or your attention. At least for me. It's a good It's a good cleanser. Like a <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for everybody listening, you might have noticed that that's not lamb. <laughs> nope. 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 Not, not lamb at lamb. all. Not lamb in the least. Um, lamb has strep throat this week, guys. So <laughs> can't really talk on a podcast when your throat is shredded. Um, so today, those dulcet tones you're hearing are Mr. Thomas Woodrum. Yes. Hello. But Tom is not a guest. Oh, I am, but I'm not. You, you are right now. You're feeling like a guest, but you're not a guest. <laughs> Tom's going to be a full time partner in this show, full-time member of this show. So you're going to hear him every week. Um, Lamb's not going anywhere either. You're just getting two episodes every week, one with me and Lamb and one with me and Tom. 
So surprise, surprise. Contrast. You get the comparison of someone like me, it's bearded and weird, and you get someone like Lamb, it's not bearded and weird. <laughs> he's weird. He's yeah. weird. <laughs> they know by now he's weird. Oh yeah. I'm we weird. All, we all love his weirdness. Yes, we do. So yeah, that's that's the plan. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna and you know who knows? Maybe one day. Uh, actually, I don't want to say that. Maybe one day I'll have a cold and not strep throat. I won't be <laughs> yeah. able to record. Yeah, no. And you no. and Lamb will do an episode together. <laughs> yeah, why not? Who we'll knows? Wish, yeah, we won't wish poor on anyone. But uh, oh, speaking of feeling like crap, remember yesterday when we were having coffee and I had that blurred vision thing, right? Right. Yeah. My, my magnificence was too much for your eyes to behold. It was for people listening. It was so weird. Tom and I were sitting there talking and I started noticing. I'm like, I'm, you know, you people don't know this yet. You don't know what Tom looks like, but he has a very big beard. <laughs> and I, I'm looking at his beard and I'm like, it's so weird. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, it's so weird. The, the way the light is hitting the hair on his beard, it's, it's getting blurry. Like I can't see the distinction of the hair anymore. And, and then I looked up and I'm like, Oh, he almost has four eyes right now. Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and my vision was just, just like a couple millimeters blurred. Not like uh, completely like you had four eyes, but everything was just like doubled, just a tiny bit. And then there was that weird, this like weird arc of like light artifact on the left side of my vision. Totally freaked me out. Um, but then you brought out that water and I felt better. Yeah. I came home. I, email my doctor. I'm like, yes, what? I was talking to a couple family members too. And they're like, oh, that happens to me every time I have sinuses. I'm like, I'm 41. That's never happened. To me. <laughs> but you are related to me. So there's a good chance that I have whatever shit fucking yeah. genetic you have. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, and then I sat down and I'm like, okay, I, you know, I felt better after, you know, after I drank that water, I came home right. doing whatever with the dog. And then I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden it was like, you know, like the, Alien coming out of the stomach. In mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was God. like that in my forehead. And I was like, oh, yep. It's definitely my sinuses. Holy shit. Well, that's what I've noticed. Um, I used to, like I said, I used to hang out at that coffee shop quite a bit back in the day. And, you know, even being, you know, downtown outside, you know, for hours on end, sitting at, you know, just being social or uh, taking breaks at work. But the trees you know, at this time of year when they start getting nuts and you, you know, are susceptible to that stuff, it's just literally a bukkake fest of all these male trees just bombarding you with all of that just awful, awful pollen. And uh, yeah, luckily I don't suffer from it that bad. I have other things I deal with that, you know, listen to me, you know, complaining like that old man that I say (laughs) I am. Um, But no, I... Yeah, I feel you on that, and it's it's not fun. But hey, you're I've human. never ever had it that bad. And you know what I think it is? It's like I think because of the dog, I'm going for like an hour long walk every day. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm exposing myself to it more than yeah. probably I have since I was a kid. When you know, like your immune system. I mean, you could you could throw the bubonic plague at a kid. You know, right? A, no, totally. An 11 year old, and they'll be like, farted out, and they're like, oh, yeah. I'm good. But also, how much does that then come back to what we're saying, you know, with being reliant on, you know, being on your computer all day, like the amount of time that you're spending outdoors of, for anybody these days is far less than what it was when you were younger. So, right. yeah, it's part of getting older, but it's also a sign of being a person of age in today's world where 
that situations don't really call for you to be outside that much and you're you know you're you're regressing into this infant state of you know just your immune system is trash shit yeah i'm becoming immune wuss yeah you basically well you know it's funny you know what i was watching is uh right before we started recording i just discovered that on hbo they have all of the old episodes of sesame street oh wonderful so watching an episode from 1978, the intro, I don't remember what the intro was in the 80s, like when I was watching the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the intro in the 70s is just a bunch of kids playing. And mm-hmm. every single one of the kids is outdoors. <laughs> right, yeah. Scat knees, um, drinking water out of hoses. Running with uh, bell bottoms and skateboarding without shirts on. Absolutely. Now they'd all be playing video games. Which yeah, now. I'm... Not less guilty. I played Minecraft for like an hour today. Yeah, see, and that even that that I didn't really get into the the video games. Like I had original Nintendo growing up. Uh, wanted Sega Genesis. I remember my yeah. grandpa or somebody. My I know my cousin had um, Super Nintendo, so I got to touch on that. Um, but uh, I wanted Sega. Didn't get that. Um, I think the next thing I got was N64. And anytime I had any of those games consoles and I started getting into it and playing and, you know, it was definitely fun and enjoying. And, um, but there was definitely a point where I hit that. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this for right now. And then oh, I yeah. come back, you know, and it would be a, it would be a gap and I'd be like, well, I got to do something else. I want to go outside and pretend to be crocodile Dundee with a butter knife or, uh, I'm going to go grab my Disneyland rifle and pretend like I'm hunting Bigfoot or something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, didn't get that deep into video games. And I see it even still now, like, you know, it's it's still something that I can have fun with. But, you know, I have an Xbox, but it's like a seven-year-old Xbox that I use not to play games. I use it to hook up and watch what well, used to be Netflix and YouTube. Porn! <laughs> I haven't found that app. I don't think they have that yet on the, the Xbox. It has a DVD drive. X, Xbox. I don't have that yet. Um it does have that. Does have the DVD, but that's another thing. Blue right? right. Uh, maybe the new ones. I don't High think definition. Well, you know that that is the deciding factor of where uh, home home theater, uh, you know, styles go. VHS was decided by uh, the the adult industry. DVD was decided by the adult industry. Right. That's why Blue it made a lost. Yeah. You know. But. Uh, I never really right. got much into video games either, to be honest. I, I did kind of exactly what you're talking about, too. I go through gaps. You know, I had the Nintendo, which I begged and begged for. First, mm-hmm. I had an Atari. I'll be honest. I had an Atari because my uncle was this, like... Why not? Um, he was the guy who had a computer in mm-hmm. the early 80s when nobody else had a computer. He had a, an Apple IIe. Yeah. So he was the computer guy. So he had an Atari, and I remember always, like, being fascinated by it. So, of course, eventually somebody bought me one. Um, and I played that thing way longer than most people played Ataris. I played that until mm-hmm. probably 1987 or 88, maybe mm-hmm. nine. Um, and then somebody's, I think, I don't remember who got it for me. I mean, the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then that, if you're going to talk about game systems, and that's probably the, if you're going to call me a gamer, that period of my life, I was. Yeah. Because no, I got those games. Every system I got after that, I've only got like four or five games. And I probably only end up playing like two. Yeah. No, uh, definitely the original Nintendo is, 
it does something totally different as far as uh, kind of molding you into being a gamer or not. You know, it's like, this is fun, but it's also making me want to go and run and jump and drive and do other stuff. Or these other games, a lot of these ones are just like, I just need to stay in and I need to do these full on, um, like, like the, the first person games where you're just going through doing stuff, you know, it's like, oh, you're yeah. not, you're not fighting. You're doing that. You're, I need to go down to the shop and I need to find this thing. And I do it's, I've watched guys play these games. Melt this fork into a bullet. Mm. Right. No, it's like, you're just doing chores. Yeah. You're not. That, that's <laughs> a, uh, I played one of those. What the hell was it called? Fallout. Fallout 4. Yeah. Completely uh, completely fascinating, but you know like the thing I think you know what the difference is with the Nintendo and uh I would even say about Atari too. Excuse me. I burp in every episode. You'll get used to it. That's fine. I've got beer. I'm getting up. I drink you might hear some farts. I drink these. Oh, that would be a first. We need one of those. Um I drink these LaCroix and they just make me burp like a motherfucker. Ah, uh, LaCroix. Um but yeah, it's, I think the Nintendo, what it was is the games were fucking hard. Oh, yeah. No, there's still games that I had from back. I could probably go back and try to play like there was the, one of the Ninja Turtle games and then the Disneyland game. Oh, the Ninja Turtle game was fucking evil. Yeah, no, never finished it. And then um, I don't think anybody did. That game was fucking evil. And then there was uh, the Nemo game, the little Nemo. Um, I don't think I played that one. That one, yeah, where the he's like in Dreamland, and his bed is like his little flying ship. There's a little orange guy with brown hair, right? Yeah, he's in his little onesie, his little pink onesie, footy pajamas. Okay, um, it was probably it's still those games. There was that feeling. That was the first time in my life feeling like hitting a wall and just being like, just completely, just defeated. Because I'm like, I cannot figure this out. And that's I when cannot. you would go outside, right? You're like, fuck. And that's when I'd be like, well, I'm just going to turn this off and I'm not going to play anymore. And maybe that was it. Maybe it was like, you know. Throw the I'm controller. Gonna... Oh, no, God. I mean, even my, like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't fully on like a kid's thing at that point when I first came out. But my dad would play Tetris and he would lose his shit. <laughs> being, being in bed, my, you know, I'm little. My mom's like, you know, tucking me in and saying goodnight and all that. My dad like comes in and he grabs my like plastic sword that I'd got from the Ringling Brothers Circus and he's like screaming, running around the house, just freaking out. Um, and I wasn't entirely sure if he was playing it up and exaggerating it and was just trying to make me laugh or <laughs> he was really losing his shit. But I was like, man, these video games, this is something else. I got to watch this. I got to be careful. When, uh, uh, God, how many years ago was it? It's got to be almost 20 years ago. One of my closest friends got married I was the best man, and so the night before the wedding, we had uh, a room together because obviously he can't stay with his uh, bride to be. Right. Yeah. So we stayed up drinking. It was not really a bachelor party. We just just had like a mellow drinking night, and yeah. we turned on the TV in the hotel room, and it had Nintendo like built into the TV. Fantastic. Uh, so we played Mike Tyson's Punch Out, hmm. and I watched a grown man lose. <laughs> These, Needless I, to say, next day at the wedding, we all had black eyes. He uh, the, the the controls weren't wired like the old ones were, but uh, I just remember, I, I have a vivid picture of him reaches a point where he's going, "What the fuck?" and <laughs> bouncing the controller off the hotel room bed, and it's boom, boom. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I I'm playing Minecraft. The reason I play Minecraft is I so I got this Nintendo Switch. 
So, mm. um, because I wanted to play that fucking Zelda game. That was like my one game always growing up that I had See, to was, have. That style of game too didn't interest me. You know, that was my one. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe I just it hit me at the right age. Yeah. Um. So I I got that. I by the way, I've only played that game like twelve times because it's frustrating. Um, of course, yes, no. So I got Minecraft. Um, and the reason I got Minecraft is because I don't fucking care about Minecraft. But sometimes I'm sitting here on the weekend, like uh, today. Well, today's not really a weekend. It's Friday. Um, yeah, technically it is. It's nighttime. But I'm sitting here listening to an audio book, and I don't want to just stare at the walls. So I'll play Minecraft. Mm. So it gives me an excuse to like read, burping okay. again. Yeah, no, I I can I can get on board with that, you know. And there is something to be said with some like a lot of the um, a lot of the games this day these days. I've I found they get recommended to people that are having um, you know struggling with some sort of um, like mental, you know, trying to keep their their brain fresh and then sharp and on top of things, um, right. I've heard of, you know, doctors recommending, hey, you know, get a game console and, you know, here's a list of games that have kind of been, uh, and they don't even have to be like, you know, uh, like learning games. They can be actual just run-of-the-mill video games, um, but they help, you know. Um, I think from my, in my opinion, you'd want to make sure they're not ones that would have the high chance of inducing a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, like no, Zelda no Mike do. Tyson's punch out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I'm sure it has something to do with like the releasing of, you know, that feeling of euphoria and um, kind of just letting go. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy world and you're not paying attention to all the bullshit that's around you. And, you know, the, the water heater's broken and all this bull, you know, it's like, oh, we got to fix the fucking pool pumps broken. It's, you have, you're just this little dude running around and you can jump and you can climb up walls and you can do superhuman things. And so it's, uh, it focuses your, focuses your mind then just on what you're doing and kind of, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not a fucking psychologist. I don't know what the fucking thing is behind it. It's okay. It, but, we armchair everything here. Yeah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> Makes sense in my world. It's my world. Where I'm sitting in my chair right now, it's my world. Makes sense to me. That's what I'm going with. Um, but, you know, it's because that's what I f- would feel and what I do feel if I ever do play games and it comes up. It's like, you know, it, some of the best times I had, you know, and connected with games and kind of why I even went and bought the Xbox in the first place was it was when they started doing, uh, you could do like, the live, you know, where you're playing with other people or you're playing with your friends, oh, yeah. you're multiplayer, you know, it's like getting together with my friends and we would do like uh, the last thing that we all did, you know, before like life kind of turn takes a turn and people move away and things change um, is, oh, there, there's my there's first one. Um, Somebody <laughs> joins me in the, in the I, almost oh, the, I'm, <laughs> I am telling you there will be so much more body sounds if I'm just sitting here. Anyway, um, <laughs> um no it was uh we'd get together and play like nazi zombies on um call of duty mm. and it's yeah it's it's a it's a dumb thing and it's you're sitting there and you're just trying oh, you're freaking out and you're yelling at each other like you're trying to be all tactical and you're trying to set up tactical positioning like no okay derek you get this window over here Bobby, you take this door over here. They're gonna come in here by wave six. If you don't have the ray gun, we're fucked. Um, you know, but it's like 
it was more than just getting the game, you know, and trying to be, get to the high level and, you know, get the ridiculous points and get the weird soda pop bottles and get the machine that upgrades your gun into some weird who knows what. And, um, but it was like, you know, it was fun and it gave us more time to be around or being social as we're doing these things where sometimes if you're playing it by yourself, you're being antisocial, you know, right. Um, or you're not being anti, you know, it's, you're, you're kind of shutting yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting locked into something and it's like, whatever. but, uh, no, it's, but then like, I tried I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I guess I, you know, at this point in my life and it was like 20 something. I was like, maybe getting a, maybe I am a gamer now. Maybe I'm going to start doing this. So I went and I bought a new TV and I bought a Xbox and I bought some games and it's not the same. I get home and I plug it in. I start playing. And it's like that same thing that happened before when I got the N64 and all the other games. It's like I start playing it. It's cool for a minute. And then I get bored. And then I'm like, well, no, nobody's online right now. So now it's only fun when I'm at my buddy's house and we're all there doing it. And maybe we're playing. Maybe two of them are playing. The rest of us are sitting around bullshit and doing what you and I are doing now. Just talking about whatever. Um, laughing, drinking, smoking. Um, but yeah, no, it's... And for me, it just doesn't grab onto me like it, I see it grab onto other people, you know. And it's funny because right now I'm looking at one of those ref, uh, re-release NES classic um, little mini ones that they oh, just yeah. released now. Um, and that's another thing, you know. I was all excited about that because I couldn't find my original um, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I had it in a box somewhere, and over the years things get moved around. It probably got, you know, in some corner somewhere they got rained on or i don't know sodomized so, by a rat yeah no there's definitely rat shit and squirrel shit and my cat probably slept on it and used it as something um but yeah no i was all excited because like cool i can finally play you know mario again for the first time or i hope they have you know paper boy or some mm-hmm. shit on there um i plug it in i play it and i go through you know mario one mario two um few of the other games some on there that i never had never played checked them out and literally maybe a week into having it you know playing it for a few maybe an hour you know every other night i was like that's done now it's in a box i'm just sitting there so. <laughs> that's the thing with the switch too like uh they have this nintendo i don't know what the fuck it's called subscription mm. you know it's, it's it's not expensive like the xbox one it's like 20 bucks a year or something so when they release it, I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll take it. Because um, I had literally just got the Switch when it came out. Um, and it opened up this other app on there, and it's like classic Nintendo games. And I'm like, oh, yes, this mm-hmm. is worth it. I'm just <laughs> going to go back and play all the fucking games I love and beat the ones I couldn't beat. Right. And, and I started playing that. through, and I don't have the fucking page. <laughs> <laughs> literally yesterday, they just released... Because uh, they, they'll keep adding games, right? And mm. Speaking of Punch-Out, Punch-Out was one of the games on there. Although this is not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. This is the version after they lost the licensing. So I have no idea who the final guy is. Because trust me, I did not get anywhere fucking near there. <laughs> I kicked the shit out of the first three guys. Uh, first four guys. And then I got to... What the fuck is the fat guy? King Hippo. Um, and I could not remember how to beat him. And he kicked the shit out of me. And I'm like, I'm done. And I turned yeah. off the system. Yeah, I'm like, and that's what age gives you. <laughs> oh, it does, yeah, you know. But I think it just it also too, if if you really have that kind of understanding of like having the 
either a, a different hobby or a passion or something like that. You know, it's like when the music thing for me, playing guitar and stuff, when that kind of got a hold of me early on, that was all I wanted to do. And anytime like I would try to do the other stuff to have that kind of, you know, balance of not just doing that, you know, some stuff would be able to hold my attention for a little bit longer, but other things it would, it would always go back to just like, well, this is time that I could be spending, like trying to figure out and really break down the understanding of guitar and music. And I could be watching, uh, you know, some live grainy live performance of, of Hendrix, you know, doing the song that I've been trying to figure out how he did that one thing. You know, it's like, that's what I would spend my time doing and get lost in like other people do with, with games. Um, so like that was my lock the door, close myself off um, and just, you know, spend hours and hours on end. All of a sudden, you know, you come out, you know, I need, I need, I need more, I need more soda <laughs> just to keep myself awake, you know? Um, so that, that's, I think the difference, you know, or it's, it could be, it could be reading, you know, could be books, could be, you know, doing that and then being like, I want to write, you know, and getting into that because that's another thing that I would do is if I wasn't working on trying to figure out how to actually play music, I was, you know, I was reading books and trying to get my mind inspired in another creative way. And I just started writing and I would, you know, hoard all of these notebooks. There was nothing more exciting to me um, in that context than um, a, a blank, fresh sheet of paper and just like, what am I going to put on it? What's going to come out of it? You know? And it's, of course I go back now and I find a lot of my old notebooks. And I'm like, this is shit. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm looking God, at some of mine right now. <laughs> and it's like, you have those thoughts of, okay, I can't bring myself to destroy this right now. But part of me is like, I don't want this lead. You know, you, you have that. I don't know how often other people do this, but like, as you leave your house or leave your room, you kind of take a quick look around and be like, fuck, if I die, am I okay with what people are going to find in this room right now? <laughs> like, what am I leaving behind? Like, if I'm if I'm going through my old notebooks and I come across something, I'm looking at this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, someone's going to read this. It's like and, my grandmother always used to say, "Always wear clean underwear in case yeah. something happens. Escape is an accident." <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you shit yourself when you die, so it doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I wear but, clean underwear, people. But, but. but forensics guys can tell which, <laughs> when it's compounded. You know, it's like yeah. this didn't all happen at once. This is this is. <laughs> day old yeah. there's there's some dried semen in here so i'm pretty well, sure that's like i had a morning <laughs> well that's the thing is you know you, you you assume like if you're in an accident or something like that people are going to uh they're going to respect um the decency of, of of the deceased but no it's i don't know if you ever saw um that uh that whole story with the the guy that had the um the pizza delivery guy that had the collar bomb oh and, yeah evil genius you know, yeah, and he, uh, you know, it goes off and he gets his head blown off and they just leave him there because they didn't believe that he was abducted and that he was a, the victim in it, which whether or not... And then they had to cut his being, fucking head off. Right. Oh, yeah, and they cut his head off to preserve the bomb, but then he's just laying there in the middle of the street, sprawled out in, you know, a crucifixed position and his clothes, you know, he's just there in his, in his tidy whiteies and no head, you know, and he's leaving, the, there's lettuce left his body there out for everyone to see. It's like, so don't assume that... Um, you're you're gonna be a you're gonna be in a um, respectable position in your demise, no matter if it's an accident or not. So yeah. always wear clean underwear, kids. We all die ass up. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird tangent. 
that reminds me of that. Remember that? Uh, what the hell was his name? I just had a brain fart. Uh, Sam Kinison. Yes. His whole thing about the <laughs> the necrophiliac. Oh, good God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. You know, it's funny because every time anyone brings up Sam Kinison, I've heard it in other podcasts. I've heard it in just conversation. And it always cracks me up because no one has to say anything. It's just he's one of those guys that has that way of yeah. delivery and stuff that immediately sparks in your brain. And then if you hear someone else talk about him and do it in a funny way, then now you're remembering that, but you're still laughing because it's him, you know? So he wasn't even like, really, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say he was a good stand-up comedian. He no, was just such no. a character that he was, like you're saying, he's just inherently funny. Like yeah, he's fucking nuts. Like when he would cause he make can't the guys call their ex-girlfriends on the stage and shit. Yeah. That's, that's not a joke. No, it's that's just it, being nuts. <laughs> it's the same thing as like, you know, the, a lot of the morning radio shows from back in the day that were super, just you know, like not just Howard Stern, but even you know, like locally, like uh, um, was it Lamont and Tonelli? Oh yeah, I forgot about those guys. You know, it was just and like the kind of stuff like the Jerky Boys would do. It's it's really just that super super like gutter humor that's just so low down. You're just like, I can't believe someone's actually doing this and actually saying this, and someone's actually behaving that way. And I'm sitting here and I'm I'm watching it. You know, this guy is like having a freak out right in front of me, and it's um. What we kind of aspire to on this show. It's kind of it's kind of perverse <laughs> in a little way, I think, because it's you know it's your your pain to sit in front of someone make a fool of himself. You know, in your opinion, I think um, it's kind of it's like I mean, why else would American Idol air the auditions and f- make big focuses on the people that uh, aren't the as you know, it's such a uh, weird phenomenon. The, it's yeah, it's like I I can't watch that stuff because I I, like, I get I get embarrassed for people. You know, I feel so like if I see someone that's in like the early '80s, that would never have happened. That yeah. people would have would have been embarrassed and would never have allowed them to air that. But something changed between then and now, where it's like I'm on TV. I don't care. That's all it was. It was just yeah. It was a matter of the TV thing. You know, the I mean, TV's look at like most of now too. No, it, it's it's because yeah, it's 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 more now of okay, yeah, cool TV, TV, whatever. Fuck, I've been on TV. Doesn't matter. Um, now it's like nobody, I'm gonna be nobody, famous. Yeah, nobody remembers that. Nobody saw my you know handful of interviews on news stations or, or saw me on Hoarders or what. I wasn't the hoarder. I was clean up the hoarder. Um, <laughs> you know, Tom is uh, hoarding things inside his beard. Yeah, yeah, it's a flavor saver for a reason. Do you have birds in there like like uh Peter everyone Peter? always asks me, Oh, you should put birds in your beard like fucking That's fam- the family best guy. fucking no, episode. It is, it is, but don't don't think I'm gonna do something after you tell me to do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do what's expected of me. How about badgers? That would be awesome. Painful I, too. I, I, Those I fucking me. But no, it's it it makes me laugh every time when people are like saying, you know, like, oh, there's, you know, if I'm, if I'm eating something, that, you know, and there's a little something on my beard, it's always like, the, oh, hey, I, I'm, like, I'm not done. You yeah. can see I'm still eating. I'm I midway through a burrito. There's I no point in me, like, I'm not worried about it, you know. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's, that, that's the whole bit. lame joke of like saving that for later. I think yeah. that's from people getting tired of people telling them, oh, you got stuff in your beard. Yeah, I can feel it. It gets heavier. Well, yeah. Oh, let me tell you, I, I used to work um, at the Harley Davidson dealership locally and there was a guy and 
obviously you work in that field and it's nothing but characters. You have, you know, every, every cliche you would expect to be working at a Harley Davidson dealership, motorcycle shop. They were there. You saw them every day. And sometimes it was sometimes be a little bit too much to handle, but there's this one guy. And the only way I can really describe him is, and I forget his fucking name. The guy I'm trying to, uh, um, kind of compare him to is if you watched the Muppet show, there was that big monster that wore rags. Sully. Sure. I think it's Sully. That guy. He, he was the human embodiment of that. He was a big, tall dude. <laughs> gruff. Like, Howie's had that kind of grumpy look on his face. And you're like, I don't know if I want to talk to that dude. He's always wearing overalls, but the same overalls. And this guy's like a mechanic that mainly transports himself around on a motorcycle. So... These overalls, I'm sure at one point started off in a lighter shade of some color, maybe white, maybe beige, possibly denim. They were, they looked like they had been stuffed inside of a transmission for 15 fucking years and driven from morning till night. You could take those things off and you could probably wring them out and stuff would just ooze out of it. Man was just the quintessential dirty, dirty biker guy. And he had a long, scruffy brown beard, long hair. And this guy would go from the warehouse, which is, you know, a couple miles away, back to the shop. And he would be on his bike and he smoked a cigarette. He drank his uh, uh, bottled Coke and ate pizza. So what he would do is he'd be eating or whatever at the warehouse. And he'd still have a piece of pizza in his hand. He's like, well, I got to go back to the shop. He would take the pizza, pizza, piece of pizza. He would slide it in that front pouch pocket in front of his, on his overalls. He'd have a cigarette in his mouth and he'd stick his uh, Coke in his saddlebag. And then he would jump on his bike and he would ride over. And another one, like he was wearing like those old uh, kind of James Deanish, you know, black uh, um, mechanic leather boots. But it, like the one, uh, like pant leg always got caught on the top. So he was always that kind of disheveled, you know, yeah, just like every little bit of, uh, you know, like OCD for me, just like, you're driving me nuts, man. <laughs> I hate that. You, it's, yeah. Um, but, you know, you know, you dare not go over and try to fix it for him. No, just leave it. Let it be. Um, but he, uh, you know, so he would smoke while he was riding. And if, for anyone that's never smoked a cigarette while riding a motorcycle, um, it does work, but what happens is the like the kind of concentration of air being pushed into the cigarette causes the tobacco inside to burn faster than the paper that's wrapped around it. So it pretty much just turns the paper into like a chimney, but every now and then it will continue to burn. So you'll get these little like ringlets, these little paper ringlets that will eventually fall off. And this man had a collection of those just hanging out in his beard. <laughs> because he's running around and his cigarettes just, you know, he's puffing away at that, but it's just, you know, a cache of air ringlets just popping off and just hanging out in there. And then he'd get off his bike and his pant leg would be cockeyed and he'd slip his piece of pizza out of his greasy <laughs> oh overalls and he'd grab his, you know, and I think let me show you something. I'd you know? look at that beard and be like, God, I wish I had a dirt devil right now. Like, <laughs> uh, no, you. For all I knew, he had white hair. 
But <laughs> oh, the monster's name was Sweetums, not Sully. Sweetums. That's right. That makes so much more sense. Now. Sully was a construction worker on on Sesame Street. A lot of Muppets today. A lot of Muppets. A lot of Sesame Street talk. Yeah. Did you ever Who see did? that? Um, uh, the the Family Guy, you know, kick kickovers or whatever they're called when uh, they're talking about um, uh, Sesame Street. If it was on HBO, which it is apparently now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets to us. Gets to its, or if it was like in, if it was directed by like I think the guy or done by the guys from NYPD Blue um, or Law and Order. You just have. Uh, Bert and Ernie sharing a bed. Um, <laughs> Bert's a de- or yeah, Bert's a detective, and uh, <laughs> I won't do it. But it's there's another one where um, I think it's like, oh, if, uh, Sesame Street was on HBO, and it just cuts over to Big Bird bent over a desk and Cookie Monster behind him, just nom 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 nom, and just feathers flying. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the first thing that popped in my head when you said that Sesame Street is now on HBO. And you're like, did you ever see the intros? Do you remember those? It's like, I don't remember him being that crass. That's what I was expecting. That's what I, I, was wonder, I wonder if, like, sometimes I, these things happen, you know, like that, where you're like, uh, did, did somebody at HBO see, see that episode of Family Guy and go, could, I really could we get so. Sesame Street? <laughs> I hope so, because that's the kind of stuff, and those are the kind of people... That can that keep the world going, and kind of keep that balance of, hey, shit ain't that fucking serious. That's like, uh, do you ever did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? I kind of going back to previous conversations you and I had about watching series and getting into shows and stuff. I, I did. That was something that I watched because someone else I was with a lot of the time watched. <clears throat> Burp. not my buddy, me my body had a rejection from that um but yeah no I, I yeah i watched some of it i was a casual watcher i didn't start from you know episode one series one and go all the way through um i got the gist of it you know so one of the jokes when barney gets married which mm. is uh neil patrick harris aka doogie hauser for anybody yeah. that was born in the 70s or 80s um one of the one of the jokes for his bachelor party is um, that he always he always talks about how uh, Cameron. Here's my burp. Oh, small one. Sorry, uh, just pathetic. Let just let it happen. Anyways, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Johnny in the Karate Kid, it, the, that he thinks that Barney thinks that he's the hero. He's the Karate Kid, not Ralph Macchio. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. There's that new, it's in season two already on YouTube, yeah. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. And Long. that's the fucking plot of the fucking show. Is It's from his point of view. By the way, it's actually a really good show. But um, I only watched the first season, but fantastic show, actually. Um, but I'm, I'm watching it and I'm going, dude, did this come from somebody just like half drunk watching How I Met Your Mother and going, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Somebody get William Zebka on the phone. Let's talk to this guy. Let's let's make this happen. What's he doing? What what yeah. I mean, I'm sure he pop 12, what what's he in? <laughs> it's funny because like I was aware of that Cobra Kai thing um when it was first about to come out and I thought it was a joke. Like I right. thought it was it seems like it would of, be. Well, I just thought it was, you know, cuz they advertising does that these days where they'll take 
um, something and make it look like it's a preview or a teaser trailer or something. Right. And then it's um, a car but, commercial. But it's really not. Yeah. So I thought it was just kind of something like that. And it was, or was like a running gag for some company. But no, it was actual. And I'm like, that's cool. I haven't watched it again. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it. Well, I, I think care. what they did that's nice about it is they got the rights to the movie. Right. Uh, actually, I th- maybe just the first movie. I'm not positive if the, the other ones. So when they have flashbacks in the show, they can use the actual footage from the movie, yeah, which yeah. is awesome because then you have like real continuity. Yeah, because there's nothing more hard into it. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than like if you're kind of seeing something like that's kind of re not remade, but like kind of rebooted and being nostalgic, and they've got everything and they're teetering on the edge of doing it well and kind of going in line of what actually would happen. But then they do like a cutback and it's, you know, a recasted, um, a a white guy playing Mr. Miyagi. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 you guys lost me. You're on the razor's edge and you slipped. Um, but no, it was like an enterprise rent, you know, rental commercial today. And it had, um, Ralph Macchio and that uh, William Zepka guy. Mm. Because it was, I guess, yeah. there must be sponsors of. Uh, well, I think Cobra uh, Kai too. It's probably a connection too, because uh, Ralph Macchio's character in the show owns a car dealership. <laughs> That's what he grows up to be. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually the the beginning of that show is so fucking depressing. You're like, oh, the guy that was a hero grows up to be kind of a douchebag that owns a car dealership, and then the bad guy is the guy that you actually, the bad guy from the Karate Kid. Is actually the guy that you feel sorry for. Yeah. Well, you know, heroes aren't always heroes. Hmm. Just look True at Bill Cosby. Uh, here's a great list. When I was look, trying to look up that, um, the name of that Muppet, hmm. 10 Scariest Muppets. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was some fucking freaky ones. I don't, number 10, Count Von Count. He's not scary. Let me pull this up. Okay. Some of these are fucking weird, though. I don't know what that one is. Sweetums is number eight. Oh, Trollop. Okay, I, I, I'm going to send you this link. You need to look at this. Well, I mean, you got to think too. Anything that Henson and his, you know, um, workshop created could technically be under the realm of Muppets, because, you know, in that realm, Jim Henson, you know, was 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 God. So, anything in like the Dark Crystal. Um, all of those really, you know, I mean, even, um, uh, let's see what I'm Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Fraggle Rock was, you go back and watch any of that stuff. And there's this underlying dark um, crystal is a big one of fucking gnarliness. Yeah. Well, labyrinth, you know, there was his stuff in oh, there yeah. too, but, um, I sent the link to you within the, the zoom app in the oh, chat, okay. if you can okay. find it, these, because you said Dark Crystal, the number one is the Skeksis from fucking... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is those little yeah. skeletal it's birds. Skeksis. Yeah, Skeksis. They're sexist. Skeksis. Yeah, there's a great... Um, I've seen it before. Actually, it's like a t-shirt or a poster, and it's some Skeksis, and I know it. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the, the fucking beetle thing is number two. Yep, so Dark Crystal wins on that. But this oh, I, Adam Heap was awesome at Fraggle Rock. Just this big pile of junk. Oh yeah. So the, you know the thing about that's the, when I was watching the Sesame Street. That's what I was going to mention about Sesame Street earlier. I'm mm-hmm. watching this, and it's an episode from 1978. Um, mm-hmm. 
which I'm, uh, I'm thinking like, oh, that must be season one. I didn't even realize they went all the way back to 1969. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah. Th- this comes up and it says you know, like they, it's early enough in like <laughs> airing public television that they didn't, that they still put up the episode number at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. Episode 1186 in 1978. And I was like, wait, how is that? Po- oh, shit. They fucking did an episode every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they just did Monday through Friday. But still, think about the quality of the music, the quality of the costumes and wardrobes, writing the scripts, and then doing all the fucking animation and everything they did. Uh, it was every uh, day. How the fuck did they do that? How do they do that? It, you know, I mean, it was a workshop. I mean, that was uh, thousands of people. It has to be thousands of people. Yeah, it was a. Um, sorry, I'm just looking through this. Uh, the list, list you just gave that, me. That look at that trollop one, which is oh, you know the trollop. I remember that. That's fucking um, disturbing. <laughs> but even like in um, <laughs> in labyrinth, you know what was it the 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 guardian of the stench? You know, like that whole oh, yeah. subject was just you know that little guy isn't winning in any uh any many beauty pageants. The fire gang. Labyrinth. I'm gonna put this in the show notes for everybody. So if you're listening to this right now, you don't feel left out. I don't know why they have the picture of the the eight thousand and one at the top though. Oh no, yeah. Well, I did, oh, that's it, the website header. Okay, I guess it's also the background of the website. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's the bones. But uh, yeah. as a boy, can't think. It's a weird, yeah. weird list. But this is just some guys design, though. Games, at the same you know? time, every single one of them completely. You just look at all ten of these; they're so completely unique. Oh yeah, no, they didn't look like anything else, and you see things nowadays. Yeah, which a lot of people would do that. You know, um, they kind of recycle. Um, yeah, like this is Ernie with a different haircut. Right, right. You know, you see that all the time in um, graphic design and stuff. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we'll just change the hair color. Even comic book stuff. You know, it's like they all have the same face. But Jim Henson was like, I don't know what was going on in his brain, but he was coming up with these just individuals and thousands and thousands of them. Um, There was a really good, um, any of the, I mean, you look at any of the documentaries and stuff about uh, him and his work and what he was doing. And they have ones about the backstory of Sesame street and the characters there. It's like, there's so many of them that are just really, really interesting. And it's really cool to see because if you grew up on that stuff, and if you're anything like me, you kind of like, knowing the inner workings of it. Um, you kind of like knowing the secrets. Um, that's why, you know, I always buy the, if I buy a DVD of a movie, I buy the, the top of the line one that has all of the, um, the bonus features and extra discs and director's commentary and all of that. Yeah. I don't really go for the commentary. I don't want to hear some motherfucker talking over a movie while I'm watching it. You know, I used to, there's certain ones that I used to think it was stupid. I'm like, why the fuck would you want to do that? But then there were certain ones, and I was like, oh, I understand now. Um, example, The Cell. Mm. Great-looking movie. Not a really good movie, though. But a great-looking movie. The Fall, which he did like years and years later, is brilliant. Mm. Um, I can't remember his name. But listening to the director's commentary while watching that movie is fascinating because they're talking about like what they were trying to do visually. And then there's just one part. I've, t- I've told Lamb about this on the show before. Uh there's one girl in, I think it's the girl that's in the beginning 
that's in the in the tank in the water tank mm-hmm. and the director's talking and um he's just he's just being so curt that he's he's like this girl was awful <laughs> she was just terrible. He's like, we. I, I wish we cast her in the other role and the other girl in this role. He's mm-hmm. like, I couldn't get the camera close to her. He's like, because she just she wasn't good. I couldn't yeah. camera. And I'm like, oh, this is why people like directors' commentary. But how many directors have the balls to do commentary like this? <laughs> some do, some do, some don't. But no, I mean, like even today, I kind of got lost in that kind of stuff with um on YouTube, just looking up. Um, or kind of the, the, not on YouTube, man. Um, the, uh, the talk behind like the, the feud between Marvel and Edward Norton, like how he was the Incredible Hulk for one movie, and then oh yeah, that was right at like right after during the time like when the MCU was first being created. Um, yeah, that was Iron the first Man. mention of the Avengers in that one, right? Um, because he well no. Samuel Jackson comes to see him at the end of the movie. Iron, Iron Man came out first. So that was the first one. And yeah, then at right. the end yeah. of Hulk, um, Tony Stark goes and mm. meets up with uh, um, Ross, General Ross. And then, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, what if you say we're putting together a team and blah, blah, blah. Um, which you go back and look at it now, and it's kind of like dealing with like Star Wars with like trying to tie the prequels in together. It's like, they right. didn't really know where it was going at that point. So some of the stuff they were saying um, didn't really match, doesn't really match up now, but kind of does. Um, but anyway, so I, like, I got caught into that forever and it was just literally like all of the, the, the backstories and the, the hidden things that you wouldn't know if you didn't have the director talking about like how much of a, you know, pain in the ass or the, the, the a screenwriter talking about how Edward Norton was trying to take over and say that he wrote the movie, but you know, I've heard that uh, about him before that he's kind of a pain in the ass on set. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, and how much of that really does just come down to from everything I've heard really him just being extremely passionate about making sure that the movie and the character and everything is done to its absolute best. Right. It's um, always hard to know people's motivations, right? When yeah. You know, the story. But yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I don't you ever watch those. Judgment. I'm a big fan of those documentaries about movies that either movies that came out that were shitty mm-hmm. and they tell you why they were shitty or movies mm-hmm. that failed, you know, like a uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, which is probably the king mm-hmm. of this category. Mm-hmm. There's another mm-hmm. one called Lost Soul and it's about yep. the making of the Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, okay. And this guy, Richard Stanley, he made a horror movie called uh, Hardware, I believe it's called. Um, and so they took him from like this small budget 1980s horror film called Hardware, which was an independent film too, and then gave him like this big budget for Island of Dr. Moreau. Mm-hmm. And the guy just couldn't fucking handle it. Um, but part of the reasons he couldn't handle it is because he had fucking Marlon Brando and fucking Val Kilmer, and both of them are fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, that's too much going on. Um, and uh, like the, uh, you know, like uh, speaking of so- uh, South Park, mm-hmm. uh, remember the doctor? that makes all the mutated animals in the show. Oh, yeah. Basically, a spoof of Marlon Brando in that movie, right? Mm -hmm. And he has Kevin, the little... uh, Yeah, the little... In the cartoon, he's like a a clonish ape in the cartoon. But in the movie, he's actually a a real human being that's a a little person, but like an extremely little person. Yeah. Um, I don't even know that he would... Whatever he had would qualify as little person. He's like a completely different category. 
Um, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. But he, um, that the reason that is in the movie, that I say that because I don't know the character's name. The reason mm-hmm. that character is in the movie, it wasn't written in the script. It's not in the book. Is Marlon Brando <laughs> took <laughs> off into fucking town and found that dude. That little dude yeah. was living in wherever they were filming the movie. I think it was in Australia somewhere, and brought him to set. And he's like, he's going to be in the movie. Hmm. And just made them write it into script. And well, then, that's kind of what they were saying about Edward Norton. Same kind of thing. Like he would make things. He would just force these changes. You have to write this into the the whole story. It's like that's the problem with star, with getting a star in a movie, right? Because they think that they've got like the heft of something. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of crazy. I didn't know about that. Um, it kind of reminds I me. Mean, I think we're talking about. Uh, failed movies and stuff. I mean, the while I was earlier looking through all this superhero stuff, because, you know, superhero movies are what's in right now. Um, do you just kind of get on YouTube, you get caught going down that rabbit hole? It's like you watch one video about... Oh, yeah, it'll yeah, fill your whole YouTube. You know, yeah, and it's like, how do you do these, these things you might not have seen watching uh, Endgame? And all of a sudden, you end up in talking about Sam Raimi, um, talking about how bad Spider-Man 3 was and oh, awful. You know, just keep going through that stuff. Um, but a great um, documentary that I really enjoy um, about kind of like the struggles of, of like a failed movie um, is uh, called Lost in La Mancha. Oh, um, yeah. And it's, and you know, it's narrated by Jeff Bridges. Um, and it's a movie that um, Terry Gilliam who, you know, was part of Monty Python and um, did, you know... Uh, 12 Monkeys. And 12, yeah, and... Um, uh, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing. You know, every, everybody knows, I think, if they're going to know him, they're going to know him from Fear and Loathing. Um, worked a lot with um, Johnny Depp. And uh, I keep been trying to make this movie forever and just like... About the Don Quixote for the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it just was... I mean, I can't remember all the details. I got off the top of my head right now, um, but decades, decades, yeah, decades, before. decades. And the it, movie's I out think it, now, by the way. Exactly, and that's what kind of made me think of it. Is um, I just found out that it was out, and I brought this up to um, a friend of mine that I think mentioned um, the movie, and I was like, "Are you talking about the Don Quixote movie that dude's been trying to make forever?" And he 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 was unaware, you know. And that's the kind of cool thing is a lot of people aren't aware of the length of time that this movie has been in production and that there's another movie all about it <laughs> about because uh, it never, it didn't look like this was ever going to happen. No, no. And it was like, because I think 2018 the, movie called the man who killed Don Quixote. Yeah. And, um, just want to make the, sure this document, this, this documentary is from 2002 and this had already been going on, you know, had been in production and they've been struggling to get it done for some time before that. Since the eighties, I think. Right. Yeah. And it's just this weird, um, cause I think in the new, like the final version, I think, uh, what's his name? Um, Adam driver. Yeah. He's in it. Um, which is crazy because Rilo Ken or Ken, what's his name? Ky- Kylo Ren. I Kylo did Ren. backwards again. <laughs> yeah. Rilo Ken. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds his, Yeah. Oh, we'll go with that. Rilo Ken. Yeah. He's a Kendall. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So if anybody's interested, that's a that's a very uh, interesting watch. You know, it's not it's at all genius too. Yeah, I mean, it's not at all an entertaining 
movie. It's not a movie. It's a documentary. You got to like watching that kind of stuff and just right. kind of sitting there and seeing the kind of just, um, just kind of being able to turn off and just focus. You know, sometimes I don't realize that I, I'm one of those people that kind of is, I guess, a little bit more rare where I can just kind of sit and zone out, you know, and sit in silence and just kind of be in my own mind. People growing up were always like, dude, you're all right. You seem out of it. I'm like, no, I'm just sitting here, bro. Just observing. I'm just, you know, checking things out. And I think that helps me sit and watch, you know, these kind of more slow moving documentaries or whatever it is where I can really just kind of plug my brain just straight into that and, not pay attention to anything else and not think about anything else. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you watch Seinfeld, it's kind of like that scene. I remember one time where Elaine and Putty are sitting there and I think she's reading and he's just, he's just sitting there with that look on his face, just staring at the wall. And she's like, <laughs> you want to, want a magazine or something? No, nah, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking You're like, well, you look mad. I'm like, it's just my resting beard face, right? That's my thinking face. I'm not mad. You'll know when I'm mad. Um, but no, this is definitely a, a a good watch if you're interested in seeing like kind of behind the veil of everyone thinks like making a movie is just easy. It gets done, especially if you're got, you know, Johnny Depp and uh, Terry Gilliam. And um, I don't think Jeff Bridges was involved in the actual film in the movie. I think he was just involved in um, narrating the, the documentary. But, you know, you think, yeah, you get the star power and... Um, Oh, dude made uh, Fair and Low in Las Vegas. Everybody knows that. He should. It should be good. It should be no, no problem. But there's more to it. And it, this is just an interesting look into seeing how something can have on paper all of the boxes checked. But when they got into it, it didn't happen. <clears throat> oh, God. There's another great one called uh, The Burden of Dreams, which is about mm-hmm. the, the making of uh, Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo. Okay. And holy shit um so basically Fitzcarraldo is about this guy that moves to south america to make money off of a rubber plantation mm. and the way he figures he's going to do it is so he looks and he goes well how come there's rubber plantations here and there's rubber plantations here but there's nothing over here and everybody's like because you can't fucking get to there and they're like what do you mean he's like well it, if you go this way, you have to go through these dangerous tribes that'll kill you. Mm-hmm. And you can't go this way because you'd be going upriver. So he gets this crazy idea in his head that he's going to go through the dangerous territory and then take the boat <laughs> and traverse the boat over land mm, to yes. get to the other Ingenious. the other river. This is the movie Fitzcarraldo, by the way, for everybody listening. Um, so anyways... What happens when Werner Herzog goes down there and starts filming the movie? He casts Jason Robards as Fitzcarraldo. And then he has like the secondary character called Wilbur that Mick Jagger is going to play. And Jason Robards gets like fucking dysentery or malaria or something and has to leave. He's sick, has to leave. And because Jason Robards is sick, he's in America trying to heal. He loses Mick Jagger because Mick Jagger has to go on tour. Like he had this time. So now he has his two main characters gone. And he's already down there with the cast and the crew. So he, luckily, he's, his good friend Klaus Kinski comes down and plays Fitzcarraldo. And it ends up being a great movie. But the thing is, that thing about the boat moving across the land, yeah. he has a crazy idea. He says, the only way that we're going to do this is we actually literally have to do that. Yeah. We, we literally, this is practical. We literally... Because yeah, there's no special effects, right? Especially oh, yeah. in the middle of the fucking Amazon. Yeah. Um, 
So they literally have to take this boat, which, by the way, is like a steamboat, like an old fashioned steamboat. It's not like some little fucking canoe. It's yeah. a big fucking like riverboat, like Mark Twain type riverboat. And so they literally they have to figure out how to get this over there. So they've got these natives like literally cutting away into into the actual hill, <laughs> and they're cutting down trees. And it's the it's the coolest documentary, just because you're like, how much can possibly go yeah. wrong? But somehow he still ended up with an amazing movie. So and the, yeah, and the, and the lengths that people go to in order to um, ensure that. Um, you know, because that's passion. You know, they know that they're going to do something worth worth it in the end. Um, most people will just give up. And just Warner like, oh, Herzog is a, is a special breed of human. Mm. He's just fucking brass balls. He always has been. Is there's a I can't remember the name. It's something like the end of the world or something like that documentary that mm. he did about um, Antarctica or something. And this is the first movie, literally, I think the first movie I'd ever seen by Warner Herzog. And he's doing, it's his own documentary. And he's doing the voiceover. And he's interviewing the scientist in, in Antarctica. And the scientist starts to tell a story. And the scientist's voice just fades out. And then you hear Warner Herzog as the narrator go, and he went on and on like that for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this guy is a very special kind of filmmaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think about it like kind of going back to how we, I think where we started on this whole thing of um, what we're talking uh, about, like director's commentary. Hmm. Um, like I agree with you. It, do, it would very much help um, depending on what the director's talking about or you know, how, to what extent they're commentating, commenting, com, commentating, com. commentating, commenting both. Well, whatever. Rare cases I'm just trying to figure out which one I like. I'm trying to figure out which one I like better. Um, you know, if it's they're giving the information that I'm after, I sometimes feel like if if it's done right, it's kind of along the same lines as as if you were to have a movie and a book. You know, like do you know the the source material? Then you know the underlying stuff. Like, oh, the reason why um, she jumped off the roof like that was because of this, isn't it? You know, it's like you. There's all those things that are explained in the movie and in the subtext and, you know, even sometimes in the screenplay, but it doesn't get put into the movie. And maybe there's a deleted scene that um, the director like, explains like, okay, see right here where uh, so-and-so is over there and now so-and-so is over there. And the reason that the lighting is there and there is because this, this, this. And, uh, oh, that lamp is supposed to, um, you know, simplify, uh, sim- uh, be... Uh, this and it's supposed to do that. It's all those different things. And if you don't have the the full story, then you may not care, and you just watch the movie as it is. But if you're really like interested in it, then it, it, I'm sure it does kind of help. But sometimes there's a lot of directors I just can't listen to them talk. You know, yeah, because like they're I, boring, I, right? Yeah, like I watch, I watch these uh, they're called rig rundowns on all these different musicians and mainly guitarists, and they just go through running down everything that they use from their amps to their guitars to their fucking cables, the microphones when they're on the amps when they're on stage, all their pedals, you know, the strings, the pit gauges, you know, all the stuff. And there's ones where I've been like, Oh, I'm really interested to see what these guys use, man. But once, once those fuckers start talking, like, Nope, I'm not sitting through 45 minutes of this. <laughs> like, can you just give me the list? It's like, even, yeah, it's like, I, I'll the look it up. Points. I'll look it up. I don't need it. You know, bring the bring the tech in here. Have him go through this stuff like that. You know, it's like, oh, he's even worse. Yeah, no, 
you know, so it's, um, yeah, no, I, I haven't, I've yet, I think maybe, I think JJ Abrams, Abrams is, um, commentary on um the force awakens i think i watched that because um he has a pretty pretty good way of um kind of conveying his his points and talking and keeping you interested and entertained yeah because i think that's engaged instead of entertained they're they're meant to be behind the camera right so they're not a lot of them aren't practiced for this you know some of them you know if you're if you're spielberg you're good at it why are you good at it because you've been in front of the press over you know fifty thousand yeah, no, times, yeah. you've yeah, learned most, how to I mean, be good. That's you got to look at that. When you take a director, if you can say a director's name, and you immediately can summon their face in your mind, that, that's a good director because that means that he's had to be out there. Like you say, Scorsese, his face pops up in your head, glasses, right. eyebrows, all that stuff. Spielberg, he pops up. Yeah, George Spielberg Lucas is probably the number one, I would say. Yeah. George Lucas, he pops up. You know, um, Woody Allen, he pops up. People know him. Um, he pops up in his daughter's bedroom. Oh, well, well, I mean, you know, I wasn't talking about those kinds of directions. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, if you've been doing your, your, your craft well and um, you've reached that kind of that peak of um, you being a director um, that now you're almost a household name, then yeah, you're going to have gained a little bit more, um, you know, talent in conveying, not just through directing, but being able to explain what it is you're doing and, um, you know, years and years of working with different, uh, different studio people. And we all hear the stories of how, difficult they are and you know it's you're 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 not just a director you're you know you're a manager you're 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 like a president of you know your little little movie country where you've got to you know make sure everything's handled and in line and to your your specifications and stuff so you kind of you become like a uh a wizard you know a mastery wizard of um whatever it is that you're Wizard of PR, yeah. Because well, plus you have to do all the stupid can, fucking press junket shits where they answer but, the same question. And yeah, and they're in there yeah, times in a day. Exactly. You're you're sitting down. You're doing stuff like what we're doing right now, where you're having like an interview with, you know, forty five different people. You know, some of them are you know a few minutes to maybe longer throughout the world. You know, um, so that's just you're experienced. You know, you you have the experience. You have the the knowledge and the ability to and the comfortability to convey what you know people are gonna want to hear. You know, you can cut through the shit, cut through the fucking fat, and get down to the specifics. And that's the kind of the, the kind of mentality and the kind of mind and the uh, <clears throat> the the commentary that I want to hear. You hone shit down like a like a stand up comedian does too, you know. Like I told you, yeah, exactly. And then I, oh, this part got a laugh. Okay, I got to focus yeah. on that part more. You know, like when you, when you see these, we see these talk shows. We think that they're just really coming out of the green room and then talking, and then it's all natural. 
Oh yeah, no. But that's that there's pre questions and okay, what story are you going to tell? Okay, you're going to tell that story. Okay, cool. Make right. sure that it's only this long. Um, like, did you ever watch uh, that Gary Shandling show, Larry Sanders, the Larry Sanders show? I saw a, a few. Yeah. What's really great about that show for anybody that doesn't know what this is it was a, an HBO show from the '90s. By the way, ton of people on that show went somewhere. Jenny Groffalo was on that show. Mm. Um, anyways, the premise is he's a talk show host, um, and what they do a really good job of is, of course, it's a sitcom, so it has that kind of almost like a Seinfeld type snark to it. Um, yeah. But a lot of what's going on is is based in reality of what it's like to be behind the scenes on a talk show. Mm-hmm. You know, like actors talking shit about each other that are going to be on the show together um, and all this stuff. But then you see that prep. Like, okay, you're going to tell that story? And uh, it's almost... Like it serves as a really good... Almost like a documentary, even though it's not a documentary at all. Yeah. It's a sitcom of what it's like for behind the scenes on a talk show like that. Because they do touch on all that stuff. And like most of my knowledge of what goes on behind the talk show mm-hmm. came from that show. Yeah. And then I've seen it reinforced in, you know, reality. You know? So many other things. Yeah. Which, I mean, I feel kind of a lot of episodes or a uh, series over the past, you know, decade or two decades, you know, have tried to do things like that. If that's the, the, the premise, you know, Seinfeld definitely did do that. Um, I feel like even like Kirby Enthusiasm did that. Um, uh, was it Californication kind of touched on a lot of that. Right. Um, you know, because it was, you know, it was fiction, but it wasn't fantasy. You know, it was, people actually are, you know, writers in Hollywood and actors and um, all these things, you know, it's like they just followed and just kind of, made made fun of and entertained you know, on an entertaining level um the reality of how ridiculous a lot of these things are um there was that other show um was it uh dude plays joey um oh uh matt leblanc matt leblanc what the hell was that show called um where he pretty much just plays um like a slightly douchier version of himself. Um, oh, this is, I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, yeah, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. It's only within the past, I think, like, this is 10, something 10 pretty years. recent. Yeah, because his hair is gray in it. Uh, yeah, while you're, while uh, you're looking for that, by the way, yeah. Californication is one of those shows I need to go back and finish. I saw the first season when that show first came out, never mm-hmm. saw anything afterwards. Mm. Did you go past the first season? Was it worth it? I probably got into. I mean, it was a lot of the same. Um, a lot of boning and getting drunk. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was literally just you know what from episode you know from the first season. Let's just say not just one episode, but say from the first season, you know what that show is going to be about. Yeah, and it doesn't really go further from that. Um, even and, like something like uh, like Breaking Bad, you know. And Sons of Anarchy, like you know what the show is. Nothing is going to be a surprise. You right. can be surprised, like you know, if, oh, they killed somebody or this happened. It's like, but you know what's happening. People are going to die. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. You know, it's um, and it's just a matter of like, okay, do you want to continue on with that all the way through, or did you have have your fill with you know ten episodes or whatever it is? Kind of like Dexter. Um, it just kept repeating, and you're like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, with all the episodes. What was that? Episodes is the name of the Matt LeBlanc yes, show. Yes, yes, yes. Episode. I just I was just about to um, transition over into that, but yeah, um, went from 2011 to 2017. Um, That's actually yeah, in that show, he uh, he pretty much, like I said, just plays um, himself, an actor, but just a little bit more kind of self-absorbed. You know, just not as well. I mean, I've never met the guy. I don't know how he actually is, but. Um, <laughs> It's supposed to be just an exaggerated um, kind of version of who Matt LeBlanc is supposed to be here, from what I've heard in interviews. Kind of um, like what Larry Sanders was an exaggeration of Gary Shandling. Exactly. Or so, did you ever see the the older, the 80s Gary Shandling show? It's Gary Shandling's show? Uh, I want to say yes, but it's not coming I, into my... So my I watched the... Front right now. The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling on HBO, the documentary. Mm-hmm. And that made me want to go watch the original show because I remember that show, but not... I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember the set, but I don't really you know, remember the show. Um, probably because I wasn't allowed to watch it, so I probably got to see like one or two episodes in pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, So I went out on iTunes and I bought the first season of that and I watched it. And that's... I mean, that show basically is like exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because it's, he's playing Gary Shanling. Mm-hmm. And but it's like a douchier version of Gary Shanley. He's always fixing his fucking hair, and <laughs> he's always trying to get laid. And, and it's it's actually it's a very it's a very interesting show because it it breaks the fourth wall all the okay. time. Nice, like like literally the the characters on the show know their characters on a show, so they they drift in and out of the reality that they're on a show, and then the you know the the situation that's happening, mm-hmm. and he'll Which, just wa- walk from set to set. Yeah. You could just see him, or he'll get in a golf cart and drive to the next scene. It's pretty cute. That's, that's uh, I I like that stuff because that's that kind of get like harkens you back to being familiar with things like uh, when and like in Ferris Bueller with that wall breaking, and then my favorite is when that kind of stuff gets done in um, uh, movies like Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, and, you know it's like. I think he did that the best in in most of his films. I'm trying to think. None of that happened in Young Frankenstein. I think it happened in Spaceballs, uh, right? Sp- yeah, definitely in Spaceballs. Like multiple times. Um, yeah, well, there's the part where they're having the the first uh, Schwartz battle, and um, he uh, swipes, and I think he kills like the the guy holding the boom mic or something like that. Um, or my, one of my favorite parts, and I use this, I use this uh, this scene as a um, as a reference in conversation. Almost, I want to say daily. I want to say weekly. Well, I'll, someone will ask me. We'll be talking about something. And I'll be trying to explain either like my own or someone else's disheveled appearance, or like someone being a lookalike for someone else, but just being a slightly less good version of them. I'll always be like, have you seen Spaceballs? Remember that scene where they caught <laughs> the stunt doubles and they turn around? Yeah, it's like that. The princess you know. with a cigar in his Exactly, mouth. yeah. Um, but that kind of, you know, it's like, you didn't, you caught their stunt doubles. You know, it's like, so yeah, they do that some stuff. Um, the scene I always think about when people mention Spaceballs is when they're combing the desert. Yeah. Yeah, we ain't found shit. 
Yeah, the the the, the white guys have the comb, but the, the black guys got the afro <laughs> pick. We yeah. found shit. Yeah. yeah, he's like, no. he has one line and he <laughs> nails it. Yeah, and everyone remembers that. Everybody, you know, anybody. If you've seen that movie, you've you remember that laugh because um, funny as all fucking hell. Um, <laughs> you know, I just. Yeah, Mel Brooks did a really good job at um, kind of making it clear that um, none of this is serious. You know, this is all for fun. This is everything that you're watching right now. It's like you're you're this this guy's not a sheriff in this little podunk racist town. You know, it's it's on a lot, and he rides the horse out onto the lot. <laughs> Under the street, and <laughs> or when they get in a fight and they go from scene to scene, yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. Busby Berkeley, and then yeah, your cafeteria, yeah, you're busting through the lot, going from soundstage to soundstage. Um, <laughs> the the musical that's one of the the best, you know. It's like that. I mean, just look at that alone. That's a massive musical, um, you know, number. That's a whole like performance and that's right. a whole set and all just that. that's for a all gimmick just dig- <laughs> just a great gimmick of just to fuck it up <laughs> it's like it took us weeks to prepare this alright it's like making a birthday cake and then putting your fist through it yeah no like there had to have been like they brought in um, choreographers and you know the I mean imagine like the, the scale because God knows they might have brought in Busby Berkeley himself yeah I, I wouldn't put it past him. Mel Brooks. That point, Mel Brooks was yeah having a. There was another. It was a really good um, documentary. It might have been on Netflix about Mel Brooks. Um, kind of helps you uh, again, like I said, get into the mind, kind of see um, how someone like that. If you really enjoy how someone creates, like or their creations, find out what it is that makes them create that way. You know, um, that's why I kind of like the the behind the scenes stuff and finding out like, Oh, this is how we shot this scene or, um, you know, watching some of the behind, like when, when I can find a documentary on the making of an album that I'm nuts about, you know, like the, there's a bunch on pink Floyd and, um, I have a bunch of DVDs and stuff on, uh, and VHS is going back on, on Hendrix and his stuff that he did. But any, like, no matter what it is, you know, if they had it for, for authors, fuck, I probably have that shit too. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's on that. Yeah. But if you, you know, if I feel like if you really like genuinely have like a passion and you're touched by and you hold a place in your heart and you love this this creation, whether it be a movie or song or whatever, find out what the like where the dude's mind or whoever the person's mind was that was making it, you know? Like for instance, like when you're making um Blazing Saddles, I want to know like where Mel Brooks was mine, how, like, walk me through the, the sporadic thoughts and the randomness, you know, because when you, when you hear someone explain those things and all of a sudden you relate, you're like, oh, that, that, I knew it. Like, that's why I like that so much because it's the same thing that happens to me when I'm doing this. And all of a sudden you, you connect with it on a deeper level. And what's better right. than that? Um, you know, I, it's all about uh, bettering your own personal, you know, experience on something. And if it's something that really brings you that, like that happiness and that joy, then fuck, learn all about it. 
do everything you can. I don't care if it, you know, takes up. If I, like I say, I lose a day, but if I spend an entire day just doing nothing but watching documentaries or reading stuff or looking at, you know, 50,000 YouTube videos that's showing me how someone that inspires me to get out of bed in the morning, you know, when I'm having really down days, like how they do something or why they do something or how, where they're coming from or what their mindset is. And it's, Oh, it's the same as mine. Then all of a sudden those dark days aren't so dark anymore because I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, defective. I'm not uh, alone in a way that I was not wanting to be alone. I'm, I, I I have a slightly kindred spirit. I don't know what the fuck that was. I have a slightly kindred spirit in um, this person that you know uh, I kind of idolize or you know look up to or um, someone I've never met, but has you know touched me more than people that I do know and you know have actual kind of personal relationships with. Um, so it's I don't know it's. Uh, that's not an emotional sniffle. That's my. Uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, you break I gotta, it down I, on this first I gotta, episode. I got a flapper in there, man. I got a flapper in there. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, whatever. You know what's incredible to me about Mel Brooks too, when you think about it, because uh, he pushed a lot of barriers that probably you couldn't push anymore. Um, yes. No. Yeah. But the thing about the thing that. About Mel Brooks movies, he put. When I say barriers, I mean like PC. What's what's acceptable? Absolutely. Um, and but the thing about it is, he came from it in a way that I don't. I've been trying to think of someone else who had the same approach as him, where he always was thumbing his nose at something, mm-hmm. but it was always done in such a good-hearted way that you never felt. I don't think pe- I, I'm. I'm. This is probably I'm probably not the best person to make this. Uh, to, to make this assumption, but I was just because I'm a white male, so I'm probably the, the <laughs> yeah, you know, we're the, not, the, the, the least. This isn't going out. We're not allowed to say anything. They don't worry. No one's going to hear this. No, no, no. What I mean is, uh, <laughs> I'm probably, there's not a lot of stuff coming at me. Right. No, no. I know what you in mean. those movies. So I'm not the best to evaluate. But yeah. it seemed like nobody was offended by you know, what he was doing because it was done in such a good hearted way. Even, you know, like Blazing Saddles, the use of the N word, right? Right. Most of the time, it doesn't even get said. Yeah, it, and and that's the joke. Yeah, so the new town sheriff is a nut ring. Yeah. bell yeah. ring. Yeah, and the bell keeps ringing, and and that's the joke. He's yeah. it's like, I don't need to actually go there to get my joke. Yeah. He says it's actually funnier if I don't, because his intention isn't to actually push the barriers. His intention, he's like you know, he's like the 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 chimpanzee up against the glass. Yeah. He just wants to get up against the glass as close as he can yeah. and and just push against it. Yeah. And that's that very, very unique, I think. And I think that I th- I feel like kind of we need more of that because it's 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 not based in a sensitivity, it's not based in, it's it's based in reminding people that you can make jokes about these things in a way that isn't harmful to anyone, but also the thing about comedy is when you make jokes about things, it makes you think. So yeah. society, society, if it wasn't for Richard Pryor mm-hmm. and it wasn't for uh, Dick Gregory and other uh, pioneering black comedians, mm-hmm. most of the racial conversation in this country never would have happened. 
But yeah. because they were out there making those jokes, it made it way its way into the masses in a way that it couldn't have without them. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, the We've had this, this conversation and touched on this topic before. It's the, the over-sensitivity. It's like things can be joked about, you know? Um, jokes are kind of like meant to be a a source of of release and to make light and remind people like i said like what mel brooks was doing reminding people that like shit ain't that serious you know like um we're all this we're all the same we all kind of laugh at the exact same thing and does it always have to be um super cerebral no does it always have to be um socially um relevant no doesn't um the main point of it needs to be fun and making fun of something doesn't always go hand in hand with being negative or being against something right um well the, the know, thing is people don't remember it seems like I make these assumptions. Yeah. People don't. There are people who remember this. No, yeah. But there's a, there's a difference between ridicule and a joke. Right. Ridicule yeah. only functions in 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 the abuse. Right. If you if you remove the abuse from the ridicule, it's no longer funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's at the expense of someone else. Right. But a joke is funny because it's written to be funny, and if you change the subject of it, the form of it mm-hmm. would probably still be funny. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Mel Brooks is he pushed these things, but they were put into jokes. So it's like, it's not what I'm saying here that matters. Mm-hmm. It's how I'm saying it. It's the gag. It's the yeah. gimmick. It's the yeah. joke. Yeah. And it's the same with stand-up comedians. You know, like, you know, Joe Rogan can get, he'll get up and, and make a joke about women. Uh, women have, you haven't really invented a lot of shit, have you? And then mm-hmm. veers into... Uh, you know, it seems like, oh, he's, he's being a fucking douchebag that's uh, yeah. you know, misogynist. And then right. he rips into men. And yeah. it's like, oh, he's just having fun making fun of everybody. Right. This, because this is a joke. Yeah. This isn't ridicule. Yeah. And that's a difference that we've, we've seemed to have... Uh, the borders on that have seemed to have gotten a little blurred. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's people's fault necessarily. To, I do think there was a period of time where comedy blurred those things. Oh, yeah. Like I think Eddie Murphy was a great stand-up, but I think he blurred those lines too. There's certain <clears throat> certain jokes he did where you're like, yeah, that that might not actually be a joke. Yeah, that might yeah. just be ridicule. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, there was, I think that whole era, like going back, like how when we started talking about like Kinnison and stuff, like man, that that era of like seventies and eighties comedy was just something different you know it was wild yeah you know i mean look at cocaine look at andrew dice clay you know yeah that was a thing that that guy robin williams oh god yeah you go back and listen to a a lot of older robin williams stuff he has frogs in his beard um i remember watching one um well i mean everyone knows that robin williams was on cocaine and alcohol yeah. a lot. Um, but I just remember watching one when I was younger. I still love watching his stand-up stuff. And Oh, he was probably was, one of the funniest people that ever lived. That was one of, uh, 
that was one of those like celebrity deaths that um definitely like still does like kind of like tear at me emotionally and like gets me upset because um not getting into the same kind of holes and um like you know demon dens that he found himself in with uh substance abuse but the stuff that got him there you know i i relate to a lot of that kind of things and his his struggle on like being you know depressed and all that kind of stuff has definitely helped me in a lot of my moments so right. like seeing him <clears throat> lose lose the battle you know I, you know and just thinking of all the the just the personal joy that that man you know was able to bring to me and never having met him or just you know um just hearing him like talk and say and just be be who he was be that human being you know it was great it was a great feeling um and i you know i can still get that with going back and watching stuff but um i remember watching one when i was younger and just being like geez what the fuck is he like how is he doing this because he's just going <laughs> nuts and he's like look the moon's hanging low like a testicle in the sky and he moves on to something else and i'm just like yeah. how, like you know it's how about uh something i think of every time because i have my my microphone on one of those boom arms. Mm. What I think of every time I sit here is good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. That whole movie was, was fucking completely ad-libbed. Yeah. You're just making it up. You know, it's like, none of that was written, but, but that's what I mean is like, go back to what I was just saying is if you really cherish the things that, you know, Robin Williams specifically that he created, you know, his, his creations were his, his performances in his movies, his um, his jokes and his lines and his opinions and his thoughts in his stand up and you know all this stuff and uh, get into it you know get into him and find out how you know most people that saw Good Morning Vietnam don't know that he made that all up as he was going don't you know like you only know that if you if you get down in there, you know, if you get down in underneath the level of just like, this is a film. I watch this film. I am done watching this film now. You know, it's like, take a little bit more interest in the things that you're doing. You know, if you're just kind of, you know, stop, stop moving so quick, step back, you know, learn a little bit more, you know, broaden your horizon. It's not just like, cause it throws me off, you know, like over my life, I hear people say like, Oh yeah, I love that movie. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. Oh, really? How many times have you seen it? Oh man, I watched it at least five times. Like, I'm sorry that, to you. That's watching something a lot. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've seen star Wars? <laughs> hundreds. I'm in the hundreds, probably in the thousands. I don't know like, if it's just because there's so much shit being put out, but with so many people just were skimming across the surface of things. Yeah. It was like, Oh, I watched that. I can think of movies I've watched and I'm like, I watched it. No, I didn't really watch it. Yeah. It was on. Yeah. But I was on the computer. I didn't yeah. watch that. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, it's like Big Lebowski. I'm like, oh, I've seen that close to probably 30 times. Yeah. And I, th- I like, I, it's the same with reading. Like, I, people always look at me when I'm crazy when I say, oh, I'm rereading, blah, blah, blah. They're like, rereading. Yeah. You're know, like, what? Why would you reread something? I'm like, because I know that I'm not smart enough to get everything out of a book the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to go back and, um, I mean, shit, I have to reread a book while I'm already reading it the first time, you know, because yeah. like I'll start thinking about what it was they were talking about, you know, the top of the page, but tell me the middle of the page and I realize, man, I've been stuck on that first. I haven't, I, 
I've, I've read this, I, but I have no memory of actually reading. So it's like I go back and reread. I reread the book as I'm reading it. Yeah, me too. You know, so um, spacing out, and also help. You know, it's, it definitely helps me um, not have to. I'm not buying as many books because I just like it's, it takes me longer to get through the ones that I already have. But um, <clears throat> um yeah, no. Uh, I stuff, think, man. I have to actually schedule every year for myself. I go, okay. It never ends up working out that I do all of them, but I usually put aside 20 books. I'm like, I'm going to try to reread these 20 books this year. Mm-hmm. I usually end up reading five of them. Okay. Not, not because uh, I don't read a lot every year, but just because things change during the year. And I'm like, I'm no longer interested in rereading that right now. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you end up reading a bunch of new shit that you haven't read because let's be honest, there are so many fucking books out there and I want to read almost all of them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard it's the to right person to describe a book to you. The one that you thought was dumb and then the right person explains it to you. You're like, apparently I do want to read about David Ogilvy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds amazing now. Yeah. Um, I've, I've definitely always struggled with that when it came to, because one of my favorite things to do, if, I have nothing to do is go to a bookstore, you know, and just meander and just, yeah, just to be around it. And it's like, I'm going to leave here with something. What is it going to be? It's, I got to find, and it's, it's harder and it's more exciting that way. Um, or what I mean is it's more exciting of a journey trying to find a book than it is, you know, maybe like with like a movie or something like that, because you can kind of, get a vibe for the movie just kind of by looking at it, you know, how, how it was shot, you know, if it's level of um, professionalism was up to this, you know, it's like, you can't tell it by a book. Um, All you got is the cover, right? Exactly. You know, so that's where that saying comes from. And there people say it for a reason, but um, you know, it's, if you don't have any kind of outside opinion on it, telling you, Hey, I read this book and then you, what do you have history-wise with that person to know that you can trust what they're saying? You're just looking around and you're like, because, I mean, for some people, I'm sure they know a little bit better, but it's hard to keep up with all the authors and know like what their what their wheelhouse is and w- what it is that they're going to be talking about, or you know, they might be on a on a weird kick over a few years and they're focusing on you know something really obscure, but their other stuff they were really known for was something completely in a different ballpark. Um, and you're like, Oh, I've, I've, I read something from that person before when you go and it's like, it's, it's alien to you. You know, it's like, you don't know, but you got to get into it. Um, so it's, it's a far more, um, fulfilling journey going in blind, finding something, taking a risk on it and then fucking yes. And you've, uh, that get that that feeling in your brain of it like like a shell cracking open and you're 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 smarter now or you're you're open you're you have another eyeball inside your brain opened up because you see something a little bit differently you're thinking a little bit differently there's nothing more exciting at least for me uh to then to get that that energy flowing through my brain to where it's thinking slightly differently it's thinking new. It's uh, yeah. It sets you on fire. Yeah, I mean that's when I when I left high school. I you know, I was 
uh, it was February, my junior year, I graduated and I, I left and I went straight to De Anza. I was like, I need to get out of high school. I needed to get moving and doing other stuff. And that, that first God knows what was it? Fucking a few months or whatever of being at De Anza, just being outside of the con, you know, the, the super, super tight, um, strict set of like it was almost like a prison you know of high school getting out of that and being like i'm i'm now in control of my ability to learn and not and like i now get my chance to look at the world and shape it and figure it out to myself i can still close my eyes i don't even have to close my eyes. i can still think back and f- remember the feeling and the excitement and the joy and the amazing like the amazement of knowing that I'm actually aware of my brain grabbing onto these new things and I'm learning and I'm expanding my mind and I'm being inspired. And for the first time in like four years, I'm excited to be me in the world, you know, and be out and I have hope and it's, you know, um, those kinds of moments. And it was like, just this, I was like, uh, you know, like it's just giant, just vacuum, just this black hole of just like what different, what music, what books, what movies, what, what, um, you know, what poems, what just like little tiny short stories or weird, um, like journals that someone's written, you know, like what else can I get? What information? Give me the information. Give me the, the, the ability to try to learn and knowledge and expand my mind and, um, turn that into something you're building the architecture of your own mind. Exactly. You know, and it's like, like I, I want this in my world. I want this in my world. Yeah. This is in my world. And I, I miss that. Yeah, no, but that's what I, you know, it's like, it's like anything, you know, you kind of get, you get rolling with doing that. And then that just kind of becomes your normal. You know, that just kind of becomes this is what you do. This is who you are. You got to find new ways to, you know, uh, not, to to stop it but to kind of change how it's how it's rolling you know put some, yeah, put some new tires status quo yeah, put some new tires on it you know get a number of things yeah exactly and then all of a sudden you know you f- you find something else or some new way of doing things that um reminds you that feeling's still there um so every now and then like when i just go into like a bookstore it's like it's not a huge um, level of that, but it's still, you know, a nice little snippet, nice little flavor, um, little taste. Um, you're a little kinda, mainline, yeah. A little amuse bouche. That's a good. That's a good. A good. Uh, good ad for children. Yeah. Mainline a book today. Mainline books. <laughs> free base your books. Free base. Uh, free base poetry. <laughs> Yeah, just go go find a short story and just, you know, snort it. Snort it right up. <laughs> <laughs> Books are a drug. Yeah. Ah, Lord. You know, I, I wrote down, I have this little pose in front of me and write me thing. You know, when we were talking about the Hulk? Um, yeah. Remember in the 80s, the Hulk show? Yes, I have all of those recorded on VHS. Okay, why the fuck was he David Banner? 
<laughs> His name is Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. We all yeah. know this. Yeah, every yeah. you can tell if, me that like they got the copyright for the creature in green with yeah. with purple pants, and then you got the care you got the 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 right for the story, the origin story. You got the copyright for the name Banner, but you couldn't get the copyright for the name Bruce. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I actually I heard why. Do you know why? Um, I think it was, um, so, okay. Um, if I remember correctly, because the Hulk was always like my, um, my favorite, uh, character. It was always my number one. Um, and then when the, the show popped out, I was like, yes, this is, or when I was made aware of the show, I was like, are you, are you kidding? Are we serious? Like some of my parents paying a joke on me. I was like, oh, I would tell my mom before I would leave for school. It's like, and he, don't forget to press record on Sci-Fi Channel when Hulk comes on. And I would come home and I would watch the episode and I'd have them all on VHS. It was a great you thing. Tear ever. off your shirt in the bottom of your pants and then watch the show. I had, I had a pair of purple pants that were too small for me because I had, you know, from when I was little, I would wear them. Dude, that was the kind of kid I was. So you, I was you were watching, watching the Hulk in purple moose knuckle. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me just give you a quick rundown, Okay. I'm. I was the type of kid. I mean, I was. The, you know, I'm the youngest of three and the only boy, so I spent a lot of time, you know, on my own, doing my own thing, having to entertain myself and you know have my own little like you know play world. Um, and so I would like if I watched teenage uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, you like green, by the way. Well, I, it's it's not a bad color. If I watched that, I had to have pizza. If I watched okay, Bat, if I if I watched uh, the Batman movie, the uh, Michael Keaton one, in the beginning of that movie, in like the previews, there's a little like short with um, uh, Daffy Duck, where he's talking about um, it's like a Warner Brothers thing, and he's like, "Okay, we got to go through the checklist: popcorn, check; soft drink, check." Um, yeah, the popcorn and the soft drink. I had to have the popcorn. I had to have the soft drink, and then it was a an official licensed Warner Brothers baseball cap, which I didn't have. But what I did have was a Batman baseball hat. You were like so the dream have, target market. I just had, you know, it was like I needed because I was, I wanted to be, you know, in the movie. I wanted to be an instrumental. I wanted to right. be, you know, Batman. I wanted to be the Incredible Hulk. Um, and it's not weird, by the way. It's not weird. We all, at least, I know it's not weird. You can I call it weird if you want. I mean, go fuck yourself. I can't say for 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 girls because I didn't grow up with any sisters. But boys, every boy I knew had something like that. Where it's yeah. like, you know, like I chucked when I was younger. I don't know why I can't stand Superman now, but I liked Superman when I was younger. And I used to take tuck my fucking uh, my pajamas into my mm-hmm. cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. No, no. And tuck in the pillow sheet behind my shirt and then jump yep. off of shit. You know, like we all did that stuff. Yep. I definitely had um, towels tucked in my shirt and I jumped up and I could fly. I remember specifically having Superman, like, um, I don't know if it was pajamas, but like a Superman, like, underoos. It, it, was, it was the outfit. Well, I had the underoos, but what I did was like, oh, this is genius. It's like, I'm going to put on my little Superman, like, shirt and pants. I'm going to put on my cowboy boots and then I'm going to put my Superman underwear. Outside, on the outside my pants. I'm like, it this how did I not see this? This is <laughs> right there. It's so clear. And to this day, he still wears his underwear outside of his pants. Yeah, people don't notice it, but it's fine. Um it's because you wear a thong now. 
they do notice it. They don't make you know a, a big deal about it. It's they're respectable. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was my thing. So like you know the the Hulk TV show, like I because I remember uh, down the street from my house was our um, video rental place. It was called View Easy. <laughs> Ooh, um, sounds kinky. Yeah, um, and I remember coming across. Um, a Hulk movie. I was like, this a live action Hulk movie? And I had already known who, you know, Lou Frigno was and stuff because that was another like thing I kind of got into when I was younger uh, was like the the sport of bodybuilding. My, my parents owned a gym back in the day, you know, before I was born and um, a lot of the contemporaries and big, big name bodybuilders from that time that were, you know, were friends and up there with, uh, Schwarzenegger and Frigno like would had come by the the gym and um, kind of sort of uh, created you know relationship with my parents and I met some of them later on down the road and they definitely did you know remember them and stuff so that was really cool um, but you know I so I was like oh shit and fucking Lufrigno I think maybe that's why I really liked the Hulk too because he was big and muscly and strong and um, that was everything that I wanted to be um, and he was unstoppable. Um, but uh, so seeing that show, I was like, "Dude, this is this is great." I mean, it's it's odd, like they keep calling him David, and it's confusing. <laughs> um, like, but it's still, it's still the Hulk. It's still the it's Hulk. Like, is this his brother? Yeah, I'm like, and why is he such a why is he such a pain in the ass? Um, and then I was like, why isn't the Hulk? He's getting mad. I could, I'd get mad right now with that. Why isn't he hulking? What's going on? Um, but from what I was aware of, because uh, um, it was a CBS show and it was the you know the seventies, mid or late seventies, um, for whatever reason, the name Bruce uh, was a little bit too uh, too light in the loafers. That's what I heard too. Like, yeah. uh, Bruce, that's too yeah. effeminate. Yeah, Bruce. Fucking hilarious. Bruce, Bruce, really? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, uh, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Lee. No, yeah, no. Totally. Bruce Springsteen, Bruce but Willis. But, you know, but that's the thing is you, you can't even start to try Caitlin to... Caitlyn Jenner. ...make sense of... Yeah, Jesus. Um, you can't even begin to try to make sense of some, you know, stupid TV um, studio, you know, some big company like that, you know... Um, they're they're not thinking about it in like a common sense, which is kind of what my conversations always come back to is fucking the world and the need for common sense. They don't they don't use that. They don't look at it as like the human, just the the normal humanity of it. It's like they're they're driven by facts, figures, and numbers, and they're just looking at you know the bottom line. So if they think that one one demographic is gonna see a, a character every every week named Bruce and they're going <laughs> to not watch the show because they're going to feel uncomfortable. It's like, go fuck yourself. But okay, yeah, no, we'll call him David because David and Goliath and David is, is, is the, the, is Bruce is actually David because he's fighting this Goliath and there, it's just this constant battle and, and David will win. And all right. Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. Cause Oh, what now? Now it's a Bible thing. Now, now it's religious. Um, who knows? David, David is so much more masculine. 
yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who but, you gives know. a shit? That's what cracks yeah. me up. But it's still, it's like, but there's a point, you know, and also, too, they weren't looking at it in what it is. They weren't looking at it as a Marvel character, like a comic book character, because that's an important part. You know, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. You know, it's like there's this thing with the characters in that universe, in that whole that whole comic book realm thing, all those characters, you know, Stan Lee had a had a thing and the guys, all the other guys are created with the kind of the first letter and the last letter of the name being the same, you know. Alliteration. Like the, yeah, then you're taking away that and it's like you're kind of it's it you kind of just it, it lost its luster a little bit, I feel, and it's you know, that's that's the studio um cliche and over involvement and meddling and changing things and I think that's else. why comic book movies are what they are right now. It's not that people weren't hungry for them. It's that for the first time right. they were and, done with the comic people right. in charge and not the guys who don't know what the fuck they're talking about in charge. Right, right. And that, you know, um I think for why because up until um the Toby McGuire <laughs> Toby, Toby, like what? Seabiscuit. Yeah, when those when that Spider Man came out, I think up to that point it was still like a you know superhero movies are kind of just not serious; they're kind of a joke. Um, but that one did so well, and the second one did so well. Third one, not. Um, and then Iron Man, and all that stuff. Um, you know, they did so well at that time um, that it was. Plus, the X Men movies did really well too. Yeah, X Men did really well, and it was just kind of this um, influx of like, all right, what can we do? You know, like some some didn't do so well. You know, like Daredevil and Elektra. Um, Awful. I think Punisher. They tried those a um, few times and yeah, didn't have the one. same kind of. Um, they did three, right? Yeah, I think there so was the Dolph Lundgren. Think, yeah. yeah, and then there was the one with Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. And then there was the one with the other dude who I can't remember right now. Yeah. But Max. You know, it was based on the Punisher Max comics. Yeah. So, you know, that but up until that point, you know, I mean Superman did well back in back in the day, but that period between, you know, there was what was going on in um in cinema was was different, you know. People didn't want to see silly fantasy guys in tights and all that kind of stuff. And it was you know, the world, I guess, just needed to reach to a, a certain point. Um, but, um, yeah, they definitely now um, are doing so much better because they're being done in a more still, you know, people still complain and stuff about the the slight changes or the major changes, you know, of um, not staying true to the um, the source material and the, the true story arcs and all that stuff, but also Which is also the most boring argument. But, but is some of those things are those going to be as entertaining? No, they're not. But also, too, it's like well, some of the source material is fucking lame, right? And it's like no one said that it's you know exactly verbatim, you know, a physical visual representation of the comic. But I mean, you can't do that. You know, it's like a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it wouldn't work in you right. Know, so, People would laugh um, them out of the theater. Like but also, too, you couldn't do it. You know, a it's like story on Hawkeye. Like really? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the look at the true. Um, even the fact of uh, the the outfits. 
you know, yeah, like the purple with the wings. You can't do face. you can't do a realistic version of some of those characters. Yeah, who would play life. Scarlet Witch? Well, you just like, can't. Let's I mean, see. I have to wear underwear the whole movie. No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it. What was the X Men Apocalypse? They did like a, a. It was kind of like the perfect representation of the the split between people. You know, the characters being nothing really like their depictions in the comic books, and then. Um, uh, What's her name? Um, Olivia Mung. Um, her Psylocke. Yeah, her her costume was pretty much exactly what Psylocke wears in the comics. You know, which is like, like nothing. Yeah, it's like a very it's a one piece bathing suit with a very high high hip. <laughs> and it's like graphically in um, and a lot of comics. Yeah, graphically in the comics and stuff like male, female, whatever, like the characters, they look, no matter what they're, you know, wearing, look like spectacular because of the, the kind of gritty um, detail and stuff that a lot of those um, comic book illustrators were able to, um, to kind of portray. Um, visually, it's like, it's, it's stunning, but it's, it's not real. You know, it's not realistic. Those visuals aren't going to happen unless you're, you know, digitally changing it. Then it's like, then it's not really a a live action movie. Now you're watching kind of just like a pseudo cartoon, right? I mean, let's let's be honest. You couldn't do a live action movie exactly the way the comic books are. No, oh, yeah, and deal with the boobs. Yeah, because there are no boobs in the world yeah. that work like the boobs in comic books. Yeah, no, I remember I had a. Um, I had an X, I, I got to find it. I have an X-Men comic um, that uh, who was sort of like all of them were on the cover. You know, it was like one of those classic like um, depictions of just like a fight where everyone's like in that perfect like position, like with the punching, but like they're all doing their, their thing. And um, I think it was Rogue. Um, she's like flying in from like the corner and just like the most perfectly shaped and like uh drawn ass ever <laughs> which I, I go back and look at a lot of the kind of stuff that i watched and um uh, read and look was into growing up i think it, it might um have something to do with you know sculpting the kind of um uh person or uh you know, body type, or whatever it is that you find attractive, or things that you find attractive, or not to, you know, because <laughs> there's, there's flashes I can see now, and like <laughs> I'm growing up, and I'm just like, that reminds me of that. Um, no wonder that any of us have a healthy, <laughs> healthy opinion of uh, of women's bodies in reality. After or men's man, dude, bulges and some of those dudes. Oh I yeah, know. or just even like not even like the general reason, just like. Yeah, you're never gonna have a chest that looks like that. You're never gonna have a stomach that looks like that. You're never gonna have as, arms that look like that without as, steroids. Seriously, as I'm sitting here with on my second beer, my shirt pulled up and my just bloating, bloating gut just blah. <laughs> uh, yep. 
never gonna be one of those guys. <clears throat> anyway, um, but no, that comic. So I remember having that like because I always had like one of my comics with me if I was you know walking around the house or if we were going somewhere or in the car or whatever. I remember having that one out on the table and uh, my I think my dad saw it and it was just kind of like one of those like what the hell was like you know just <laughs> like is that porn? Well, it was like did like a second look and like I think made a point of it like to my mom or whatever. It was like what is this? Or maybe might have been my sister. I can't remember. I remember someone sitting while we're at the dinner table, um, just being like, "What are you reading? Like, what does he have?" <laughs> and then it's like it's just superheroes and i don't know maybe at that point like i hadn't even really looked at or thought about it that much and then been like well, oh why are you making a point of it hey now i'm like maybe i should be looking at this in a different way uh, i'm in that transition stage right now where i bought this for the story you know like yeah. the, whole, the, whole, the whole boy boy thing it's about the interviews yeah i read it for the articles i don't know about you i bought this to find out what happens to x-force <laughs> Now there's an X Force in my pants. <laughs> but um, bum, there's the bad joke you've all been waiting for. Whoa! Oh, yeah, I was wondering what was going to happen. I just um, didn't mean to see that right there. I don't know what you're looking at, but I don't. If you that. Google just pictures, I was looking at just X-Force? Olivia Munn as Psy- oh. as Psylocke, looking at her costume. Scroll mm-hmm. down far enough, and you find up a naked picture of her. Whoa! So, well, there really we go. Bad? There we go. Is it really here? I don't think so. I don't know. It's no face, but it's probably yeah, it's probably one of those ones where it's like you can clearly see that someone did a horrible, horrible fake photo photoshop job. Those fakes are getting real. The the fact that they can do it with video now is pretty scary. I haven't really seen much of that, but I am a, I am aware of it looks such a platform. A hundred percent real. A hundred percent real. Hey, I don't know. Ah, I mean, it's, there's a market for it. You know, yeah. there's people out there demanding it. Read well, the comments. Read the comments. Just all they had to do was go to Google. Like, how many people Googled this person followed by the word naked? Oh, okay. oh yeah. No, it it auto fills that. You know, the, <laughs> and we, auto we talked about this the other day with wonder, but we didn't get into this part of it. When we were growing up, you had to wonder what the actresses and uh, or for women and with the actors mm-hmm. or yeah. Um, you had to wonder what they look like naked. Now mm-hmm. you can find out in four seconds for most yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah. Or at least see a, a a faked approximation that'll fill your fill your need, I guess. Well, I think that's where that came from. That's where these the need for wonder came from. The no, these these fake. <laughs> where these the fake need for wonder came from the need to see celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see somebody, you like. I need to know what they look it like. Goes mm. back to Cleopatra. It does. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely feel like a lot of those um, false, you know, Photoshop. Um, like, just let's find a naked body that's somewhat similar that could pass off as so and so's, and we'll put there because there's that that type of person that's just like, I need to know. I have to, and then it's like, they start losing. I have to work this thing out. They will never not, you know, they'll never get to see it. So it's like, this is the closest thing I'll ever have. I have to have it. And then it's like, oh, finally. It's good enough for the four minutes I need it for. Exactly. So then it's like, oh, then I can release it out. And other people, because other people want to see this too. I I, I know that. I know other people want to see it. So celebrity, celebrity porn fakes are modern exorcism. Yeah, let's do. Let's, I like. Okay, we'll do this. Jizz exorcism. Oh, Jesus 
Yeah. It had to happen. <laughs> it had to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are about two hours, guys. I want to plug Patreon before I forget, though. Um, I hope you guys like Tom because you're going to hear him a lot. <laughs> um, so Patreon, Holy Fool Productions. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions. Uh, Tom's going to be, if he feels like it, contributing stuff there as well as Lamb and I. So more yeah, people in the I, uh, See what I get going in there. Um, it'll be a mixture of things. Um, it'll probably be you know, fun and um, new and exciting for me to kind of put some stuff that I usually kind of like, eh, well, this is just for me. You know, I'll just hold on to this. And um, yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be an exercise in my, uh, um, my newfound need for stepping outside of my comfort zone. So if I just kind of create something that I'm not entirely feeling like I'm a hundred percent proud of it, then I'm going to say, well, that, that's even more reason for me to put it out there and have it. That's one of the things I loved about that Amanda Palmer thing that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. She talks about, she's like, I put stuff out here. She she puts like everything into her Patreon. And mm-hmm. then there's certain things she's like, oh, that was good. And then she releases that thing commercially. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you guys liked that, you know, like whatever yeah. sculpture. Well, now yeah. you can buy it. Um, so it's it's really, it's like a, it's, it's cool to use it as a testing ground too, where you're like, yeah. Do other people like this thing that I'm not sure about? Um, this week what I does, put up yeah. four episodes of the old solo show I did. This mm-hmm. is for the guests, so they know what's up there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm promising to tell them every week what I'm putting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, put up a drawing that I did. So there's just like this stuffed animal that my dogs leave, leaving on the on the floor all the time. I looked over at it and I was like, that looks hard to draw. So I drew that. Nice. Um, and then uh, I wrote a piece about uh, Eichler Homes and why I'm obsessed with Eichler Homes. Yeah, those are... I was... I had a love-hate with those. It's like, I like this. I don't know if I could live in this. There's, I like, I'm in the middle of them. So if you go yeah, no, two yeah. blocks one oh, way... Oh, yeah, way over your, your way, that's, that's Eichler Center. Yeah. It's, it's cool when you look it up on the internet and it's like, oh, there's, there's my, my neighborhood. Yeah. Or, you know, like a couple blocks away from my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so, yeah. Tom, do you, is there anything you want to say to people? It's your first time. Uh, oof, uh, the pressure. The pressure. You're, I don't you're know, a virgin man. right now. I know. Although I think we've we've been we've been riding that pony for a couple hours, so you might not be a virgin anymore. Yeah. What's that in minutes? Um. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. It's. I guess. You know. I, like I told you, I. I suffer from a lot of uh, fear and anxiety and um, and worry and stress and just all these things that I that can inhibit any one of us from really doing things that we'd like to do or feel like we'd be good at or um, feel like we should be doing or need to do. And so this is uh, helping me kind of deal with some stuff um, and is going to be an outlet. And looking forward to it because. Uh, this is probably, I mean, I, I don't really operate in the realm of, or, or the world of podcasts. You know, I've, I didn't really ever listen to one until like six months ago. And I've only listened to really two of them or three, a couple of comedians ones. But, uh, so this is all kind of like new, uh, new territory for me. And, um, it, it kind of helps, uh, keep me honed on talking because, you know, I have a show that I, uh, I host, uh, or co-host, uh, every month, uh, 
with a friend of mine downtown San Jose. They know who and, Mike uh, is. Mike's they know Mike. Gets on the show. Yeah. Good old Mike McGee, Mighty Mike McGee. We have a show called The Go Go Gone Show at Cafe Stretch every third Wednesday. And, you know, it's. And that's in I'm, San Jose. In downtown San Jose, California. Yes, yes. The, the heart of Silicon Valley. Is that, um, is that next week? Uh, yeah. Yes, that'll be next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. If or this Wednesday. The area, go. go. Go see him and Mike McGee. Is that, is that how it sits? So we're, what day, we're, on, we're on Friday now. So yeah, this is going to come out on Monday. Okay, because so I'm putting this in Lamb slot. Oh, I didn't tell people that. So basically, Lamb, Lamb and I will still be on Mondays. Um, and then I think Tom and I are going to be on Wednesdays. Yes. Not when we record, when you guys get it in your feed. Right, right. But Just yeah, so, so anyway, so yeah, when Monday, when you guys listen to us on Monday, it'll still be this Wednesday. Yeah, so two days this, from... Yes, this upcoming day. Wednesday. Um, but yeah, we do that. Um, and it's, you know... Having over the many years of you know playing guitar and doing shows and you know being on stage and stuff like I'm comfortable and stuff with that, but when it comes to like kind of, I still, I still, I still struggle with uh, kind of being, you know, kind of in front of people or like this is like you know verbally being in front of people. So the show kind of helps me do that. This helps me kind of do that. Also, it just gives me a chance to to fucking talk and to chit chat and to spitball ideas and, you know, have these conversations and these questions and, um, go back to that kind of spark in the, the, uh, the mind, you know, this is a new, this, this is perfect for me, you know, to kind of represent what I was saying about finding a new way to get your brain excited about just by functioning, by it working, by it's doing its thing and you learning new stuff and, you know, you and I being able to either discuss things or debate things or whatever it would be. And, um, people listen, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to listen to me, but if they do right on, but yeah, it's whatever. It's new. Maybe, it's fun. Maybe, uh, as we, as we say goodbye, maybe just, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. You know, this is like, you've been in, you've been doing music a long time. They, yeah. We, <laughs> I may know somebody you've done music with because they've yeah. been a guest on this show before. This is, this is true. Yeah, no, there's a little bit of a connection to that. You know, I started playing guitar when I was uh, I was 11, 33 now. I'll be 34 in September. So uh, it's been my. If I could do nothing else with my life, it would be just to you know to be happy, be in love, and play music and play my guitar. I don't care about anything else really. Um, if I could get a genie and make a wish. And I think those would be the three happy and love music. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I was, you know, messing around for a little while there when I first started playing and then ended up in, uh, uh, a local band for a short time and then got the kind of the gig I wanted, which was playing with my cousin and you know his, um, my best friend growing up, Mr. Ben Henderson. Um, and my cousin uh, Nick Labou and drummer extraordinaire Anthony Olier, um, and we were in a band called Delta Activity, and we did that for quite a few years. We played a lot of shows in the Bay Area, um, did a lot of um, a lot of a lot of shows up and down West Coast. Did a little bit out in went to Nevada a couple of times, went to Vegas once. Um, but we were, we were at, we were heavy in the scene. Um, 
for a long time there, back when there was a little bit more um, places to play. Campbell Gaslighter, um, Gilroy Gaslighter, uh, the Cactus Club, which then, you know, when you had the Blank Club and there was Spy, you know, there was all that stuff. And then there was these different art collecting, you know, it's the art scene in downtown San Jose was starting to spark up a little bit more with these things called pack sessions. And there was a lot of great bands at that time. And, you know, we did that hard for a while and um, recorded a, a an album and put that on uh it's on you or uh, itunes you'd find that it's called uh, happy is the new sad um but uh then we uh you know kept going and made really good friends with uh another band that was a hero of mine uh dredge from los gatis with another person you'd know mr drew roulette beautiful right. human being that i love very much he's been on this um, show twice yeah he designed didn't he do some of the artwork yeah he designed yeah. the wolf yeah um and so, yeah, we they, they asked us to go out on tour with them. And with that, uh, met another beautiful group of guys, musicians, who uh, um, I had a, a very fond memories of connecting with um, in a band called Circa Survive, which had a guitar player and very dear friend to Mr. Chad and the show as well, Mr. Colin Frangicetti. God, why do I always fuck up his last name? Um, but yeah. Um, and then, you know, Anthony Green and all them. Um, and Plus, then, Anthony Ollier was in, is, is or was in Dark Heavens with Drew. Right. Yes. Oh, yes. Dark Heavens. Dark Heavens. Dark Heavens. Yes. Rock your Chewbacca. Rock your Chewbacca. I think they're still a band, right? They are. They're actually uh, coming out with new music. They were just doing a pretty cool little uh, photo shoot uh, about a month ago that I was seeing them do with some some aeroplanes. And some were you at the Were you at the filming of the the video where where we had the 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 horse inside the bar? No, I was not. Though I am I now going to be depressed that I was not. I don't think that was the Rocky Chewbacca video. I don't remember which one that was. Heavy drinking. That's what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's you know my thing. Sidebar. You know, and then like most behind the music's, um, the band band split up, and I kind of just floated around doing my own thing, just kind of playing, nothing really serious. Um, But I've gotten back into it, doing more. Have one group right now. Do a lot of stuff with, um, which is ironically, um, a kind of a collection of former <laughs> members of Delta Activity and other local bands. So it's me and my cousin, who was the other guitar player in Delta, um, our good friend Dave Padilla, who was uh, the original guitar player in Delta before me. Um, I was too young. Uh, and then uh, when Dave split, I was at the ripe age of, I don't know, 17 or 18. And uh, I joined the band. And then uh, we got... Um, Paul Avila, he was the drummer in um, a band called Divided. Um, great band. And then uh, I got our, our good buddy, George, Mr. Mr. Matrix, Mr. Computer Synthesizer and Key, key Man. Um, we're in a group called uh, Fiction, the Anti-Pop. And uh, we got a SoundCloud and, and stuff on Spotify. So if you just look up Fiction. Or they oh, could just uh, use the links. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the links. So he's going to have a because he's a host. He's going to have a profile on the website <laughs> and all the yeah. links for this stuff. Once you once of course once you write that, which you you're going to do before Monday. Right? I am. I am going to do. <laughs> I'm gonna do. I was and you'll be able to see his beard by then too. 
Christ uh, in Jesus. We'll have, a, we'll have a picture of his face. I'm sure, you know, Lamb's got a lot of really good pictures of me. I got to get him to find one. I just got to edit out some probably other people. Yeah, he's good at that editing stuff. He does it all on his phone. Yeah. I don't know how to I mean, look, look what I do on my phone, which is sitting on the toilet making porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme with you. Just, just Chadley. tonight. Yeah. Just tonight. Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm not that interesting. I don't think. But uh, well, don't say that. We want them to come back. He's very interesting. <laughs> He's nah. not very good at marketing or PR. But <laughs> I just say stuff, man. I just, I just, I just, I'm just me, bro. That's the whole point of this show. I know, I know. But yeah, no. Um, I know. I. Uh, New, new new adventures, man. New adventures. This is this will be good. Well, well be cheers to new adventures. Yes, here. Cheers. I mean, there we go. Go over to Patreon and support us. And uh, either way, we'll be back. Okay. Bye, fuckers. Later. Ah!